listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. My name is Tom Chick, and I have brought along to discuss Rogue Nation, Christian Mulkonski. Uh, it's Christian Brimstone. I say, again, we are go. And with our uh, Rogue Nation tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, I agree with the robot arm. Very nice, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, is there a backup tagline? Maybe a plan B, a plan C? Oh, like in the movie? Uh, rethink the impossible. That actually is, So rethink what? the impossible, Kelly Wand, my problem was that it sounds too earnest. Like Paramount might actually use that if they hear you, if right. they hear you suggest it. Yeah. It's too similar to my real job, huh? Exactly. Right. Like that's my, you, you, Kelly Wand, you just thought up marketing copy. Well, Cara Davinia told me it was the funniest thing she'd ever read. Why are you hating on that poor woman after all those people in Sacramento pitched She on was her? a bitch to me in the interview. <laughs> all right. Also, uh, all exposition should blow up after five seconds. Very good. I like that one, Kelly Wand. Shut up. Kelly Listen, Wand, do you have uh, a, uh, oh, yes, a question sorry. for you? Yes, you have a question for me. Do you think real spies listen to the James Bond theme? Or the Mission Impossible theme. Well, I know while they're working, it's certainly playing in their head, I imagine. Like they can't but then that would give away their cover. They'd go, why are you listening to this? Like, they're their target. How can you keep listening to the James Bond theme? Oh, nothing, nothing. Well, part of the training they undergo is to not hum it out loud, even <laughs> though they're playing it in their head. Because a lot of spies – that's what happened to Valerie Plame, by the way. A lot of that's people, what happened to me. I got fired. Oh. But go yeah. on. That is good. So, uh, Kelly Wan, do you have for Ooh, us this good. week an IMDb synopsis? Valerie Plain. That's good. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna tell a joke that I realized was probably a little bit above your pay grade, so I aborted the operation. Oh, uh, I guess I'm fair game though. <laughs> Every time I watch these movies, I wonder who's who's sending their paychecks and where are the paychecks going. Yeah, I think that one's over my head. That movie quote, Dingus, I didn't get. I'm sorry. That line's from the Cindy Crawford fair game. <laughs> she plays Valerie Plain. I prefer I prefer William Baldwin's earlier, funnier work. <laughs> well, you know what? I have an IMDb synopsis. So, Kelly Wong, can I take... Oh, wait, I think it was, but go ahead. Oh, okay, here we go. Unless you want to do yours. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to... You said go ahead. So I thought that meant I could go ahead and do mine. Okay, yeah, uh, Okay, so, so it's a free-for-all. We can all just jump in whenever we want with these. Kelly Wan Dingus gave me permission. He cleared me for this operation. Um, all right. I can't argue with that, though. And the thing is, I just saw this movie, so I want you guys oh. to see if you can guess this. Go ahead, then. Wait! Here we go. Now, I'm going to read it, and you guys have to guess the movie. John Hurd came back from the war, minus an eye, a leg, and an arm. He drinks a lot and abuses his wife, who also drinks a lot. Jeff Bridges is a friend who witnesses a murder. From this point, John is after the killer, alongside the diseased sister, while Jeff doesn't really want to get involved in it. That, uh, they always add, it's like, that's the end, right? Uh, it's truncated like his limbs. Oh, you guys so really not know this movie? I love this movie, home? and I hadn't seen it in forever. No, 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 that's John Voight. Crazy, uh, oh, sorry. So really, the John Hurd came back from the war minus an eye, a leg, and an arm didn't do it for you guys? I don't think I've seen it. It's one of those movies with a title like something I've seen. This might be too obscure then, Rats. Because I love, yeah. by the way, that uh, they, the synopsis says uh, 
that John Hurt is after the killer alongside the diseased sister. Yeah, that's good. Because it's supposed yeah. to be the, the, the deceased sister, and the guy just wrote diseased sister. Oh, I didn't even get that part of it. Yeah, I just thought, it. okay, right, so the sister's sick, got it. No, no. So the, the, the murdered girl's sister gets involved in this uh, attempt to catch the killer, and the, in the synopsis, the guy writes it as the diseased sister when he's trying to write deceased sister. So the, you you guys don't recognize this as a, as a movie called Cutter's Way? From oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Kelly, you would love Cutter's Way. It might not be I always, famous. I get it mixed Is that up the guy from Tales of the Gold Monkey? Stephen Collins? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It is from a novel, but that doesn't sound familiar, Dingus. It's from a novel called Cutter and Bone. But the studio thought that sounded too much like a movie about surgeons, so they renamed it Cutter's Way, because um, the characters are Alexander Cutter and Richard Bone. Um, Jeff Bridges also, plays Richard Bone. John Hurd, who I'm just used to now as this kind of washed-up old character actor, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm fine. But, uh, <laughs> they start out as washed up. Well, John Hurd, I mean, I, I, re-watching Cutter's Way, John Hurd is really good in this, and he's got the flashier role. Uh, no, he's a good actor, actually. He is a good actor, and especially Sam. watching this, it brings it back. And he's, you know, he's wearing an eye patch, and they do some really cool tricks to make it look like he's missing a leg and an arm. Um, his hair is all long, and he's got a beard, and it's just this really showy. It's the kind of role that Joaquin Phoenix would do these days. Oh wow! Is John Hurd the guy, the Online dude event. who was in um, Big? Uh, you're thinking of um, what's the older fellow's name in Big? John, not John Gazzara. Tom Hanks. No, John. He's like he's only old at the beginning, though. No, he's John. Elizabeth Whatever's boyfriend that Tom Hanks it's, supplants. It's not oh, John Hurd. It's her. I'll say supplants. It might be John Hurd. So John Hurd was in. Wasn't he in? I don't know. Gosh, what he is, was in uh, Salvador. He's been in a bazillion things. He's been. Come he's on, I've got to know who John Hurd is. I know. I'm. I'm just. I'm picturing him, but I'm trying to think of the other things I've seen him in. He did really just spaghetti. Disappointed, you guys, you're my age. Like, I remember Cutter's Way running on cable all the time when I was a kid and being very confused by certain things in it. Um, because <laughs> there, there are certain things in Cutter's Way that a kid is simply not going to understand. That How did you tell it apart from other movies, though, that you'd seen? Gotcha. What? I don't understand that question, Kelly. Why I just implied you're con- you're confused all the time. All right, well, I, I think I think of John Hurd as being from the, movie, the television show CSI Miami. Because I think he was the father of... That Ainsley Hayes woman. He, he was like caught he, driving. He was like caught with the DUI and got in a wreck, and then she instructed him. You can only ID who, them from these. Guys. Yeah, I know. I think that's who John Hurt is. I can't. I, I, I think I'm picturing the same guy, but I've never seen Cutter's Way. I, oh, wait, what did he ID her from? What? What did he ID her from in CSI Miami? No, no, he was he was her father in CSI. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. Still trying to mentally picture John Hurd, and I think John I have Hurt. the picture in my head. He's wow. like a he's like William Hurt, ironically, with more sadness. Wow. Now, I obviously boogered up this uh, IMDb because you guys. I would have assumed you guys might have seen this, but uh, would, we never know. Way. It's uh, you, you can watch it. Uh, you can get a DVD. Uh, I think it's on Amazon's instant watch thing. Uh, it's like a. Oh, I was just asking if you had seen it recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched it because I don't. I don't know why. Uh, let's see. Why did I watch it? Where did I come to that? Way. This time I'm going to understand it because I'm a grown up. It's so weird, by the way, seeing like Jeff, so Jeff Bridges. It's probably like the second or third big movie he did. I imagine it was after Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Oh, um, I love that one. 
and he's just so he's like super young and he's playing almost literally a gigolo um there there's there's a lot of weird commonality with big lebowski to the movie uh it's got a lot of it's a very 70s movie even though it came out in 81 um and it's uh, yeah it's the sort of movie after it's over you're thinking wow nobody would ever make a movie like that these days. yeah like nobody would touch this movie with a 10 foot pole in in the modern studio system so we should oh, start wow. carrying around those poles but also you dingus wouldn't have seen something like that it's too obscure and i didn't even that's you're right dingus, yeah dingus would. but it's also like this, i thought the title was too similar to coogan's bluff so i just mixed them up to the point where i ah, sure yeah i can see that all right, well, Kelly Wan, did I supplant uh, a good IMDb synopsis? Do you want to save it, or should we move on to this week's movie? Or It's really short, and I only just want you to like try and name the movie for All right. real. Because like, I forgot the name of this movie and looked it up a few days later, sure. All right, and then give it forgot to it again, because it's, it's what that kind of title. A team of scientists deduces a machine and process to use regular water to produce energy. After the celebration of their success, the industrial... See, they're just fun to read, Tom. That's the part I enjoyed about yours. Um, the industrial warehouse that was home to their experiment is blown to flaming bits, with one member of the team dead and another missing. Is Kenner Reeves in this? Yeah! Do you know oh, the name shoot. of it? I don't, but he outruns an explosion on a motorcycle. Yes! yes. And water what is it called? It's got. I'll tell you, that's that kind of title. It's called something but, like Cold Fusion. Yeah, it's, yeah. it is like that. Like yeah. they're transporting so something in an ice cream truck, aren't they? Yeah. And the thing is, Kelly, I've, I've I've never even seen this movie. It's one of those things you know about through like movie culture osmosis. Yeah. While you're watching, uh, ironically, because of the water plot. But like, even while you're watching, you're going, "Wait, I don't even remember what I'm looking at right now." It's so. It's just so like. And Davis, do you know the name? I do not. All, All, I can think of, All I can think of is that Stephen Dorff would be in this kind of movie. Well, my guess – oh, it's the villain, right. Yeah, well, my guess is Cold Fusion. Dingus, what's your guess? You have to make a guess. My guess is uh, Ice Cold. Kelly, who wins? Uh, Who's closest? Okay, first off, uh, Tim Conway's Dorff is in it. And secondly, it's called Chain Reaction. <laughs> oh, Morgan Freeman's in it. Yeah, see? That's the like Dingus had in his head. Morgan Freeman's in everything. I that's not really saying much. Yeah, yeah, went, oh, chain people. reaction. Morgan Freeman's chain reaction. It made a chain reaction in Dingus's mind to get to Morgan Freeman. Like, me, oh, I found something good. Like he remembered something good about it that I forgot. Even. All right, so uh, that's this week's IMDb plot synopses. You got two of them, listeners. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're not even going to charge you extra. All right, Dingus. Wait, Tom, I liked yes. I liked Cutter's way. Your synopsis. Can you do one next week too? Uh, I, I like to leave it to you, but if I find one, I will definitely, uh, cause I just stumbled upon this cause I wanted to, I was like, man, I can't believe they made this movie. So I wanted to read about it. And I just came across that synopsis and the bit about the diseased sister. I, I couldn't pass up. No, it's a good one. It's a super good one. I always try to just listen though. Like, Oh, what's going to say next? So. Uh, Sorry. and that by the way is yeah. a, a, an accurate assessment of Cutter's way is that Jeff Bridges sees a murder. He's not interested in it, but uh, John Hurd is interested in it, and the diseased sister is along with them. <laughs> with the disease. Yeah. All right, so, oh, and by the way, so here's a, just one of these little moments of commonality. When you're watching these old movies, the diseased sister is played by one of the damsels in distress from Jaws 2. So the whole time I was watching Cutter's Way, I was like, who is that actress? I totally recognize her from 
from other movies. And when I look it up, she's like, oh, yeah, she's in Jaws 2, which I also just watched. Oh, do you remember the chick in Jaws 2 who uh, gets traumatized because she forgets to pull someone up out of the water? I do, exactly, and that's who this is. She's She plays the... Ah, oh, that was a play, yeah. Yeah, her, her character, she's like Tina, who's the who's Miss Amityville in Jaws 2. She is the diseased sister in Cutter's Way. She's the... Typecast is a diseased person. Hottie. Diseased hottie, right? Because she's kind of cute. She is related to in both movies. She, she's definitely a hottie. Yeah, in both movies, she's related to uh, someone who is deceased. And if that makes her diseased, yes, Kelly Wand. Yeah. This chick's pretty good looking. Let's let's make her sick. Well, she's down with the sickness. Hey, guys, why don't you tell the folks what movie we saw this week <laughs> besides Cutter's Way and Jaws Two and you watched uh, Jaws Two again? Old Fusion or, or or Chain Reaction. I'm sorry. See, I see Chain Reaction. Your title's better. All right, in our in our double feature of Chain Reaction and Cold Fusion, we also watched this week uh, Mission Colon Impossible Rogue Nation. Now, wait a minute, Dingus. Are they still doing that colon shenanigans again? They're putting two colons in the title. Really? Still? No, it's, it's actually – the, um, the actual uh, punctuation is Mission Colon Impossible Dash Rogue Nation. Are you serious? Yeah. Ew. Okay. Because – because one of the sites I looked when I was looking up for movie times and movie tickets, it just listed it as Mission colon Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, <laughs> oh, it did. I thought you did. That's a good. Yeah. So I will maybe get into this, but I hate the subtitle Rogue Nation. I would have preferred it being just called Impossible Rogue Nation. So I, yeah, I it's like also that. not a Rogue Nation. It's a dumb title. Well, it's not a rogue state. Like a rogue state is an actual thing. A Rogue Nation, they just didn't. It's a shadow government. Right. right. Yeah. They also they also mention a rogue asset later on in the movie. So if That's you, thing you, too. be careful about using the word rogue in your movie. I mean, and that and that applies to the Star Wars movies as well, by the way. Right. Keep it holstered. So you know, you may, you maybe just say "Mi Rogue Nation" or just call it "Rogue Nation." I don't know, but Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Although for one place it did look like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, so this is a 2015 American action adventure thriller sequel movie mm-hmm. about what we do, what we do, we have to do for friends. Uh, it was written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, mm. based on the I'm sorry, based on the television series by Bruce Geller. Okay. It stars Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Wait, that's Tom's version of that? Yeah, well, Tom does what he can. Ooh. Rebecca Ferguson, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I agree just, with that. We need yeah. to stop there. As a matter of fact, let's just say that again. Rebecca Ferguson. Mm. I, I just have to say, I could listen to her just read books on tape all day, to be honest. Does she do that? And she does. No, I don't think she does, but I could uh, – man, she has a great voice. Anyway, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Simon uh, Pegg, and Jeremy Renner. Tall. Um, Thoughts on Jeremy Renner's looks? Yeah. Uh, he's got. He's going up. You know. He's. It. It depends on what company he's keeping. And when he's in a movie with Rebecca Ferguson and Sean Harris, Jeremy Renner's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's yeah. put him on a supergroup with the diseased girl. <laughs> Sister. You're, you're going to be the starting quarterback next game. Oh, not so much. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is rated PG-13. For sequences of action and violence and brief partial 
nudity. Mission Impossible ruined all our lives. I'm just saying. <laughs> On Metacritic, Mission Impossible uh, is at 75, and that's the average rating from various reviews. On Rotten Tomatoes, however, the percentage of positive reviews for Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation, 93 percent. Oh my God! Super successful, what? critically speaking, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's Nin- very did you say ninety three percent? I did. Yes, ninety three percent. Are you sure it wasn't positive. the humidity? Uh, uh, no, I mean I, I'm not sure. I mean, no, this uh, this thing went over very well. Yeah, uh, even commercially, it went over very well. So, so Paramount was actually I don't know if they were intentionally lowballing the projections, uh, but, but but Paramount estimated going in. Uh, the early tracking was they're like, well, we figure it's going to make about forty million. This is going to be, we're worried this is going to be really soft compared to the other Mission Impossibles. Uh, but no, it totally broke those expectations. Opened at number one, it made a cool fifty-five million. Um, cool. So Barney uh, must be devastated. That's what I. Would, that's my takeaway. Barney must what? be devastated. Who's no, Barney? Arnie. Oh, Arnold. Well, Arnold and uh, um, and Barney a, and Adam Sandler. You know, I think there were expectations yeah. that that. Uh, right. These big stars who are normally very bankable uh, are starting to fail us. But uh, no, I, I think guys. Tom Cruise is, you know, like Chris Pratt is Elias. a reliable box office gold, and I think Tom Cruise is still. Uh, he's he's putting butts in seats. So yeah, he is good. He is. He he's just so fucking smart. Good God, that guy is smart. Yeah. Well, Dingus, you are talking about a Scientologist. I'm not sure that's the adjective I'd use. The word science. The word science. Isn't it? Well, uh, Kelly Wand, if you were uh. to not, <laughs> you're making me regret I did that. No, I love it. Oh. I can't do the other one now. It's so much. I like you. I'll do it in real life at a hot girl. Are you, are you doing like Bing Bong from In and Out? Or inside? In and Out. Okay. This is confusing a hamburger chain with a Pixar movie. No, that's my imaginary hamburger. Well, Kelly Wand, why don't you give us a blow-by-blow uh, synopsis of what happens in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? And, and Kelly Wand, what would you call such a synopsis, by the way? Mission Impossible Opsis blow by blow ship nasable. Wow. <laughs> I am glad I asked because that right there, uh, that, that was some nice payoff, Kelly Wand. So, Kelly Wand, what you just said, do it. Some words are all a country. Tom Cruise goes into a bookstore. He's all, hey, do you guys sell sunglasses here? I'm a spy, and I use shades to find out exposition. The first time I did so was in Risky Business. The cashier's all, no thank you, whitish man with hawk nose. This is bookstore fuckhead, not sunglass head. Oh, books. Print, huh? Damn, it's too bad our governments don't just write missions down anymore. I mean, yours probably do. No offense, since you're Russian. I always get Russian mixed up with Mars because of the redness and fur hats. I think this is Barcelona. Oh, so you're Japanese. Then you really know what I'm talking about. By the way, I'm a fucking spy, honey. My major was blowing up aquariums with gum. And I got occasional Cs, although I also belong to a fraternity. We often destroyed aquariums to celebrate the end of finals and protest undercooked fish while dining. Uh, Please stop talking and exit store. Look, lady, I don't come to your work and just start prattling stupid shit about sunglasses. Now, do you have whatever I asked for a minute ago or what? I wasn't listening. 
She gives him an empty folder with zero on it. He's all, oh, cool, I can put my coffee cup on this without messing it up. I'll have to shrink the paper first, but that's what skillets and butter are for. He turns to go, oh, by the way, he half turns around, looking Tom Cruise-y. We have a saying in Barcelona. He nods and leaves. The music's all, this is a spy movie. Tom goes into the bathroom and puts his hand on a record player. The record player's all, uh, that's not the correct way to operate me. <laughs> See the needle? Anyway, uh, here's CG's some green missiles. Here's some other pictures. Tom yawns. His face is all, this one's taking forever to self-destruct. God, my job's boring. Timers, timers, timers. The record player's all. By the way, here's your character's name. Tom Cruise bolts upright while the music agrees. He's all, oh, stuff about me? Nice. His body grows alert, and he stares at Twirly CG, squinting with concentration as he tries to read his name. The record player's all, thank you for the free nerve gas, Mr. Cruise. We think you'll find it most ineffectual. <laughs> Tom Cruise looks through the bathroom door pane and sees a man with glasses and a gun to the head of the hottie. The Russian book lady smiles at him as if to say, I did all this just for the pleasure of getting to watch you die. <gasps> the glasses guy shoots her. Tom Cruise is all, wait, why would I care if you killed her? Kill her again. I don't care. I don't even know her. Gas starts pouring out of the record player. Tom Cruise is all, hey, mister, I think this record player's broken. Can you hear me? Hang on. I'll start pounding on the door. Damn it. It's made of glass. Ugh. Wait a minute. She told me you guys don't sell glasses here, but you're wearing some. <laughs> Please explain that to me. <laughs> also, let me out. It's boring in here. <laughs> Man sets his gun down in the tipping jar and walks out. Tom Cruise is all, wait, your gun's too far. <laughs> Sir, I can't reach it. Your gun, other side. Record player, this side. Uh, my hand... Which movie is this? How many fingers? Fifth. Fives won the Rocky series. God. Good. Uh, he dies. I lean over to John Wu and mumble. The only sleep pill that seems to work for me is the sun, but in Germany you can't get it without a prescription. Some words in architecture all Washington, D.C. You see it, it. They type it, by the way. Um, USA, modern day, 1200 o'clock, scene two. Some words in architecture are all oh, what I just said. There's a little pace jump. <laughs> <laughs> now you'll see the improved version of what I wrote. Alex Baldwin's the president again. Jeremy Renner's his lawyer. <laughs> They're on trial for... <laughs> I better paste this part in. Tom and Dingus don't enjoy. They're on trial for addressing the Supreme Court and Joint Chiefs. Chiefs. Alex Baldwin stands up in a blue suit for once. He's all, gentlemen, much has happened, but even more isn't happening. Observe. He finds a remote and makes them all watch a movie of a beer bottle making a hole in a roof of that building in Seattle or San Francisco that looks like origami. Then he's all, this is what blew up in the last movie, and this is depression and horrible nasal hygiene and the one before that. And this is the doves from the one before that, and, uh, and this first one. They gave this beloved clerk diarrhea in that first one, and defaced my favorite computer table with a knife. And finally, here's uh, the city in Slovakia, Mr. Renner dropped in Avengers. This will not stand, sir. Only land, not stand. City, I mean. 
the president's all, Mr. Renner, you guys do blow up a lot of stuff. Jeremy Renner's all, look, we only say we'll make it possible. We don't say anything about body count. Alex Baldwin's all, that's why we need to put the CIA in charge. We never blow anything up. Jeremy Renner puts his head on his desk and goes, oh, my scenes are like this. Alex Baldwin saw. I forget what my point was. Let's watch the video again. They watched it a few times and then some other ones. Finally, the president saw. Sit down, Mr. Baldwin. This assembly will reconvene when you've learned to control these outbursts. You're a rude, thoughtless little pig. Very nice. <laughs> See? You have to listen to a lot of bad acting, Tom, to get to my punchlines. That's how I spice things up. It's worth the trip. Jeremy Rentner's all. Guys, Tom Cruise is dead, okay, from a record player. That's all this video proves. And while we sit here being thoughtful and planning next steps, his body could be lying somewhere, not listening to us. The old men all mumble and look humiliated. The music's all. Jeremy Renner's not playing as Jason Bourne character in this, by the way. That franchise is being rebooted in 2016 with Jay Courtney. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise wakes up chained to a dungeon. You guys' favorite actor, Jay Courtney, from that thing that didn't make as much money. No 90s for that one. He'll be in the reboot Tom- of Lone Survivor, and Tom will be like, Jay Courtney's great. I love him. Yeah, he's so good when he gets... Ah, that stupid title makes me crazy. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise makes, wakes up. Makes up. Tom Cruise makes up with Chained to a Dungeon. He looks down, screams like a girl, and goes, <laughs> What have you sick bastards done with my shirt? Give it back! White man! You know, at some point, if you want. Also, that bookstore girl, if her body's lying around and her shirt's also missing, if you could maybe slide it into my view there, can I? A woman comes in, sets a rabbit foot down in some water, and starts rolling up her sleeve. Tom Cruise all, fuck yeah, now this is what I call a birthday. Unfortunately, the door opens and some male characters cock lock in. <laughs> He's all, Ugh. One guy punches him, then displays a hammer. Tom Cruise is all, Oh, is that for the record player? It has a gas issue, by the way. <laughs> I can relate. He escapes by jumping and the girl shutting a door and helping him. Then when they chase and try to shoot him, he tricks the bullets by running from him. And also because his attackers shoot at the bars instead of between the bars. <laughs> he outsmarted the bars! Wait, he didn't outsmart the bars. They, it's just bad. They, it's a you know, translation problem. Tom Cruise calls Jamie, Rodney, Jer- Jamie Retner. <laughs> Bro, I met a girl. I think she's in prison for something. Who is this? Jeremy Renner saw. Tom, Alex showed some old men the origami building video. He hangs up. We cut to Cuba. Tom Cruise does push-ups. CIA SWAT team raids his room, but he tricks him by being in Paris. Although the map gets captured, taken to Guantanamo for interrogation. <laughs> Who are all these faces on you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was improv. That line is not written down. Repeat. Uh, hmm. How'd you do it? Stupid. I can't do it. It was an involuntary reaction from Rebecca Ferguson, right? 
Beck Ferguson brings that on all of us. <sighs> She'd be so flattered if she could hear that by just crowded dudes. I'm <laughs> doing something right. Spoiler alert. I lean over to Peter Graves' grave beside me and go, Someone should have told Tom Cruise maps are hard to smuggle in other countries. Meanwhile, in Langley, Virginia, Scotty grieves for the fate of his good friend Tom Cruise. By playing Halo on three screens. <laughs> well, listening to the Rico Williams soundtrack. <laughs> his workspace is blue like Baldwin's jacket. Since the CIA mail guy outranks Simon Pegg, <laughs> Simon Pegg has to pretend he's working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's that attractive. Yep. Yeah, he is. Ooh, that hot male guy. Rich people who work for the government. Anyway, he has to pretend he's working for a couple seconds. Stupid taxpayers. He gets a letter that says he won tickets to the Vienna Opera. He's all, nice! Even though winning attendance at something on another continent that evening is kind of like losing. He gets his disc, his disc phone written. <laughs> I hate acting. I don't know how you guys do it. I have a lot of respect now for the craft. Because it's, really, it's really irritating to do it. Like that. They should make that much money. It's just dumb. Tom, thoughts? <laughs> I'm with you, Kelly Wood. Oh my god, you're happy. <laughs> Love the opposite. It's nice. All right. Twenty more to go, Tom. It just keeps going. Keeps going forever. Simon Pegg's desk phone rings. He picks it up and goes, CIA IT, we use landline desk phones for internal communications. Oh, shit. A black chick's all, Pegg, quit not playing Halo. Get your ass up here to my lie detector office. We need you to stare at some Audacity wave files. <laughs> my black accent. And she's a woman. He hangs up on her, then sticks his gum on something that says CIA on it. Fucking bitch. The gum doesn't explode. Upstairs, he watches wave files with the black chick. Eventually, it's all, yeah, so uh, these are definitely wave files, all pictures of glaciers. I don't know. The major was making shit the breaks. Jeremy Renner's all, thank you, Scotsman. Uh, looks like it's time for me to continue looking uneasy. Alex Baldwin hooks Scotty up to the lie detector and goes, not so fast there, 3PO. Is this man uneasy? <laughs> I don't understand my writing at all. <laughs> all right, 3PO. Here's your lie detector part of the movie. Is this man sitting beside you here looking easy? Not or not not? Jeremy Renner. Scotty's all, who? The lie detector goes, err. Scotty's all, what? I think this polygraph's a malfunctioning piece of shit. The lie detector's all, ding. The black chick's all, she holds up a printout, and then she's all, guys, according to this device, we're all replicants. Scotty gets up, grabs a tuxedo, and goes, wow. fuck this shit, I'm going home to Austria. I think I won the lottery. He walks out. Everybody stares at each other. The black chick's all, well, that was interesting. The lie detector goes, because she's lying. Tom. In Vienna, Scotty gets off a train. He's all, dum de dum what the? A lady just shoved an envelope into me face and kept walking. That's weird. It's usually garbage. Guess I'll open it. Glasses? No way. I just won the lottery again. The glasses are all, Scotty, quit fucking around and put the glasses on. This is Tom Cruise's voice, by the way. I'm after the listeners and you guys. Scotty's all, 
Oh, hey, Tom, sorry you got arrested for push-ups. I was trying to make a gadget to help you, but I couldn't get it to malfunction in time. The glasses are fascinating. Now walk out of the train station and keep drawing suspicion by talking to me. None of the extras don't care. Don't worry. They're supposed to be Austrian. A bunch of stuff at an opera happens. Like in foul play. Tom Cruise goes down a rope, gets in a limo, makes a pass at the chick he met in prison. But just as she's leaning in for the kiss, he opens the door on her. Sprawling. Got you! He moves into a garage and invites Scotty over to look at pictures of dudes on his wall. Who among us? On the hundredth one, Scotty's all, wait, I don't care who this one is. Tom Cruise's all, ah, I feared you'd say that. Scotty, based on everything that's happened at the opera tonight, I think we're going up against villains. <clears throat> wait, the opera was tonight? Tom Cruise is all, it wasn't the only thing that happened tonight, Benji. He clicks a button showing newspaper clippings of pixels attacking Adam Sandler, the bar <laughs> blowing up, 71. Uh, Chappie learning how to read. Tom Cruise all. So I mailed you that opera invitation to keep it safe. So now I need it back or something confusing won't happen. Scotty's all, fuck, I thought it was something else. So I flew to Casablanca and dropped it into a water sarlacc. The girl walks on screen. She's all, getting that ticket back now will be mildly annoying. Tom Cruise grins. He's all, mildly annoying? What do you think the I-M in I-F-M-F-M stands for? <laughs> Uh, while montage music plays, they show Scotty how to put a mask on his face that makes him look like Ben Kingsley and Sexy Beast. And Jeremy Renner and ben- Vic Vic Crames get out of a helicopter. Uh, I'll write in the uhs because I have that little faith in my acting, but I can't just say the word Vang. CR. Tom Cruise and the girl get Scotty past the Iraqi water guard station by parachuting down and making his key card not work. And then going, oh, yeah, and then it distracts him. Then they make the toll booth gates open by parachuting again and shooting darts into some pipes. <laughs> Guards all, hmm, that's weird. I usually have to open the gate by opening it. But those are orders. He blinks suspiciously at Scotty and goes, oh, sir, shouldn't you be wearing your Ben Kingsley mask for this scene right now? Some subtitles are all. In Arabic. While Scotty's thumb hurts, Tom Cruise and the girl find a walkway and look down at the water sarlacc. She's all, Tom, are you sure you don't want to do this without an oxygen tank? There's a shark. It does nothing else worked very well until the third film at the How You Say Marine Land. He's all, I don't need oxygen. Now kiss me. Kiss you? I thought Simon Pegg was your love interest. <laughs> really? You think I have a shot with Benji? I have more to live for than I thought. Maybe you should do this mission. As he lunges to push her in, he trips and falls into the water. <laughs> uh, that's my interpretation. Tom finds a room with some water in it and smirks as a robot arm swishes by. His voiceover's all stupid. An arm with a body? That's a loser. He looks down and goes... Although masturbating with one could be worth the surgery and tailoring alterations. The chick's voice in his ears all, Tom, Benji misconnected a wire, so V and the whole facility and the robot arm can all hear your thoughts. Hurry, grab the operation invitation. Come <laughs> 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 Grab the opera invitation. 
You're running out of oxygen. <laughs> the robot, I'm cycling rapidly back in your direction right now. Yeah, okay, honey. I don't come down to your Sarlacc and waste time keeping on and on and on, running out of air. Boom, there. Opera invitations acquired, young lady. Who's opera now, babe? While I'm on the set. <laughs> Whose name? The the wolf mask and oh, peach fuzz. Peach fuzz. Thank you. Yes. It has nothing to do with the joke. I just need to know it. Chick's voice is all. Tom, please stop goofing around with robot arm. This is not Edge of Tomorrow. Your character in this can only die zero times. So try not to lose count. <laughs> Tom, Tom, are you there? A computer in the Arabic dam rooms all. Robot arm reports Tom Cruise detected at arm joint nine S Delta. Arabs confer, then hit a button that says Flood Cruise. Tom swims around like a jackass trying to grab the key card while the water jeers at him and with this noise. He's all, hey, Sandra Bullock, Oscar voters, look at me. I can miss grabbing things. Whoop, whoop, oh, God, look how clumsy I am while I'm running out of oxygen. <laughs> He's so bitter. There's room for success everyone's running out of oxygen blockbuster. The chick's voice is all, Tom, you are running out of oxygen still, at the same rate. I hit override a bunch of times, but I think I should have only hit it once. Now it just keeps overriding my previous overrides. Tom, hurry, you're running out of oxygen. And CG, the number showing on screen is 9%. Tom, hurry, the robot arm just texted me that you have its full Oscar support once robot arms get the Oscar vote. Tom, hurry, you're still at 9%. Eventually, Tom drowns, but the girl saves him from drowning. Drives him to a different water place, then brains Scotty with the hammer. <laughs> Steals the opera invitation and leaves. A bunch of stuff on motorcycles happen. Tom gets scared at the sight of his target and crashes into nothing. But then he and his buddies track her down to an airport and trick her into submitting by waving at her. She's all, damn, I have no chance of outrunning that Simon Pegg. Tom Cruise goes to a meeting with Alex Baldwin and Jeremy Piven, and a villain. Alex Baldwin's all, I forget what's going on. Tom Cruise, perhaps this is interesting. He pulls off a mask, revealing he's Mystique. He's all, oh, wait, uh, hang on. Uh, he tears off that mask, revealing he's Loki, then John Connor, and then Jeremy Renner, then his Hawkeye, then Tom Cruise, then Jim Carrey with the green face, then Eric Stoltz in the movie mask, then a clone of himself. Then Salt Shaker. As he tears off more mass, he's all, hang on, this one of me is an old man. Just wait. It's going to blow your mind so you can see who I'm really pretending to be for a couple seconds. Ah, oh, fuck it. Ugh. He hands Alex Baldwin a pistol and goes, here, kill us. If you do, I'll know you're the traitor. Alex Baldwin's all, I think I'm just the guy you think's the traitor. <laughs> Looks at Jeremy Renner and goes, uh, I think that last thing I took off my face wasn't a mask. Does anyone have some Bactine? Once all that's settled, Tom watches a banking channel for a bit, then drills a hole in Ben's opera ticket and goes to the Eiffel Tower to wait for something to happen. The music's all, even this part's barely possible. When Tom gets to the Eiffel Tower in Austria, he sees his buddies there. Everybody nods to each other, but by unspoken mutual agreement, decline to hang out yet. (laughs) 
Uh, Scotty's now dating Tom Cruise's girl. They're sitting at the place where Michael Caine saw Batman's ghost having a little <laughs> Batman's ghost. It's not <laughs> Callback, Dingus, to that ghost scene from Batman. <laughs> Only I understood. You morons. Tom comes over, opens Scotty's coat, and nods. Oh, a bomb, huh? I was hoping you'd just be nude under there. The girl smirks nostalgically and displays a pistol. Tom Cruise is all, yes, but let's drink first. He stares at Scotty's head. He's all, by the way, Scotty, your eyes suddenly made a metal, and there's a white bug on your ear. Are you a robot? He sits down beside them. I wish I was. Drinking oil sounds awesome. I saw it in Quantum of Solace. Another pasty guy with glasses, who's not Kelly, in a room, is all, very well played, Thomas Cruise and Schnitzel. <laughs> But you forgot one thing, something on this tip of my tongue that I also cannot remember. Very frustrating. <laughs> Tom said, listen, Ivan, uh, Klaus, what nationality, whatever. We had a little game <laughs> the academy, and we shared the same dorm room. Uh, I do not think we know each other. Oh, look, do I come to your job and knock, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I gave run a time down in 19 seconds and then stop it. I was the third place champion one semester in a row. Think you got the guts to take me on? Tom, hurry, the time bomb, it's running out of time. Oxygen level's still at 9%. You cannot trick me here, Cruz. I decline your imbecilic challenge and stand over here, fume. Wait, okay, I'll give up. I did it. <laughs> exactly, Cruz. Boom. Hey, wait a second. You didn't just want me to do that to save your friend. Oh, that actually would have been a cool idea. But it actually was a game we played at the Academy. Although I did lie about coming in third. It was very challenging. Anyway, you did win. Good work. Uh, I guess uh, we should meet somewhere so I can give you the trophy. Scotty yawns, walks off. Some gunmen come and surround Tom Cruise and the girl. Tom cocks his head at her as if to say, Guess this is a die cute. <laughs> she cocks her head as if to say, Bullet! They shoot everybody, or rather Tom shoots some bottles, which scares the gunmen into letting them go. Eventually, Tom Cruise finds a gas chamber with the villain in it. Tom Cruise. (laughs) It's down in a sewer. No, the gas chamber's here. Tom Cruise all, well, well, looks like this is poetic justice for making me cough earlier in that record player scene. Uh, you have a gun, I see. But don't bother shooting it. This is all uh, bulletproof glass. Right, guys? Jeremy Renner, Scotty, and Ving Rhames all walk on screen. Jeremy Renner's all, yeah, three sides of it. The villain's all. But they, my other characters all, these people vaping too. Like, this is their revenge. They wanted the record player scene. Because they're my friends, asshole. And that's something your kind, or as your people say, Kent, will never understand. But I'm from Zahamosa Beach. <laughs> Whatever, stupid limeys. Now, as you can see, but not smell, it's odorless. There's some gas rising in your gas chamber there. Since it's the same gas he gave me earlier, it just makes you unconscious. But that's still a grim fate and well-deserved in this instance for all the running around you've caused, Ivan. This gas is not odorless. Uh, Kill me. Uh. Oh, sorry. This Mediterranean cuisine doesn't really agree with me. And the guys locked me in there all morning, told me I should go in there and test the bulletproof glass with my face for an hour. Jokers. We have a lot of fun here. Anyway, the test was successful, so they let me out. Although I might have farted in there quite a bit, actually, which is not uncommon. 
uh, why don't you guys tell me there's uh, now a girl suddenly standing right behind? <laughs> Farting thing. <laughs> it's more the story under a spy. I mean, hello again, female character. I forgive you for that shit you pulled in the dungeon, but I also thank you for how that motorcycle chase ended. Uh, I wish we had more gas chambers right now. Don't worry, Sarah, I'm taking you to America. We got shitloads of them. They're fucking all over the place. You'll love it. La, 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 la. <sighs> That's Everyone, normally I, uh, you make me uh, glad that I see movies that I hate when you have an epic synopsis like that. Uh, I, I love this movie, and I loved it even more after the synopsis, which is quite an accomplishment. It is quite – it's an impossible accomplishment. See? Uh, all right. Who else loved this movie or just liked it? Or maybe one of you didn't like it. I absolutely I loved it. I'm absolutely loved it. Dingus, I'm putting you down for absolutely love. Kelly Wand, what's your level of like or dislike for this thing? Um, I think it's fine. I didn't hate it, but I thought it was less exciting than 4 and 3. Like, I thought more was going on in those. And it was also, maybe, um, you're probably going to hate this point. Like, Rebecca Ferguson's really good in the movie, and I like her acting a lot. But I also... Feel like she saves Tom Cruise too many times, and it made me feel like um, I don't know. I like it when he has to figure shit out on his own. So you like, felt it kind of diminished the character of Ethan Hunt. You're saying to be saved by a girl? Uh, well, just in a Mission Impossible movie, like it's supposed to be impossible. Like, how do I get out of this? And if a girl just comes and save you, it's not that impossible. So actually, that is a, a, that does make me wonder. Does Ethan Hunt not get saved by other people in the other movies? Like, did that stand for you? Yeah, because in four, Benji's gloves suck. Uh, on the building, so Tom has to like do some crazy shit to like survive constantly. But if a girl just comes and waves a key at you, it's kind of easier. So it's so all, that to me okay. Was, so that stood out for you in this, okay? Yeah, and I think that I can get the thinking behind it. Like, hey, let's let's expand the Mission Impossible universe, and let's give him a chick who's like worth his, uh, you know, like his equal. Um, and she's really good in it. But it's also like, I mean, like in Goldfinger, it bugs me that James Bond like talks his way out of a laser um, castration. But in this, I liked the Tom Cruise speech thing. Like he had that much faith in his. There's a lot of good. There's some good dialogue in this. But movie. you just weren't happy. It didn't live up for you. It didn't live up to three and four. And you weren't happy with him sort of being uh, less capable and having to be rescued from situations. You're saying. I. Yeah, and I also like the action less, and I also, there's a thing in the trailer where he's on a plane that's not in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, you well, think this? Because it's a major set piece. No, it's okay. You must have come in late. It's definitely uh, yeah. the, the opening of the movie. It's the little button, like the action sequence before the movie starts. Right, right. So when, so, you, so when you began your uh, opsis, I realized that you must have come into the movie. Uh, I think it's what did, uh, I so for you, how did it fit in <laughs> with... Uh, the other movies. Like, how do you compare this to the other ones? Well, I, has some uh, reservations about it living up to the others. How, how does it like fit into the Mission Impossible universe for you, Dingus? No, I I kind of see it as a as I don't know as uh, as, a, as I don't know how to, how to describe it, but as a graph that keeps going up. I mean, um, I've I've liked the. I mean, I, I mean, I was less impressed with the second one than everybody else. I mean, it was, no, it was I hated fine. the second one. Um, I don't think do great Scott. 
I'm sorry, what, Kelly? The John Woo one's the second one. You talking about the third one? You weren't impressed by the Philip Seymour Hoffman one? That's three. I know. I'm talking about the John Woo one. Okay, no, nobody likes that one. Well, I, I thought a lot of people did like it. I just didn't think Duke Gray Scott was that interesting character and not very well done. Yeah, I'm with um, you. that's the weak one to me. Okay. Um, I really liked the third one. I really loved Ghost Protocol, and I love this one even more. I think that this one, I certainly think that Rebecca Ferguson adds a lot more than, what's her name, Patton. Paula Patton. How dare think you, but Paula yes. Patton added to uh, the other one, but this, I don't think that's her fault. I, just, I think this character is far more interesting, and uh, I, I love the things that she's doing in this. She's I like, like the best. She's like... Um, Gina Carano, who can act. I mean, I really loved watching her fight in this movie so and even, her set pieces. Even that thing is, I think, is selling her a little short because um, I, Rebecca Ferguson blew me away in this, and I, I feel like she is the reason to see this. Like, Tom Cruise is doing pretty much what he's done. Christopher McQuarrie turns in a, a, a very serviceable movie. Like, I, I missed some of Brad Bird's uh, visual flair and his panache for, for, spe- for spectacle, you know. Uh, the opera sequence in this is amazing, yeah. but I don't feel that it lives up to the cinematic spectacle that Brad Bird did with the last one. Um, however, whereas you, you, you say Rebecca Ferguson, and I understand completely what you're getting at. It's like a Gina Carano who can act. I think Rebecca Ferguson should be a huge star. Like every moment she was on screen, absolutely captivating. Um, so, so more than just a Gina Carano who can act, like a Gina Carano who, who can act and who has this huge – screen presence like like an old-fashioned movie star um and that she almost single-handedly just elevated this movie for me i thought and it's a tricky role and she's in it a lot it's like it's a tricky role and and it's really well cast she's in it a lot and i almost come out of this movie not not forgetting tom cruise is in it but he's he's doing what he usually does and he's perfectly good but i thought she upstaged him uh, I think she's supposed to, though. Like, no, no, right, right, that's... exactly. And 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 Kelly Wan. So whereas you kind of, for you maybe that's a liability. I was fine with that. I loved what this movie did with her character. Uh, I loved how she was definitely the equal of Ethan Hunt. Um, how how she basically undid him. Like she she gets away from him during that motorcycle chase by knowing that he cares enough about her to not want to hit her. Like yeah. She, she uses him, himself against himself. Um. Well, that's a that's a girl thing. It can only work if, if it's a girl. I don't know. I disagree with that actually. Um, I, 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 and the, I think the look that she gives him, and there's so many great looks in this yeah. movie. One, one of the things about this movie that I love, and Kelly Wan kind of made fun of it a little bit in his opsis, which is his task, is the amount of awesome sort of nonverbal communication that you see throughout it, and that that look she gives yeah. him when she before she flips back down the visor. Um, is is one of those great looks that I will that I can't wait to see again. And I was gonna kind of move on to what to the point you're making. I didn't mean to to uh, belittle her by saying she's a Gina Carano who can act. Because certainly I think more of her than that. Because I think that I I will go to see movies that Rebecca Ferguson is in. Yeah. Um, from now on, I I actually want to rewatch Hercules now, which I wasn't that crazy about, because you were a big Hercules fan. But yeah, yeah. I didn't remember her at all from Hercules. Uh. And it makes me want to go back and watch her and see, oh, this is a Rebecca Ferguson movie. Yeah. Well, just Wait, that scene where she walks into this and she's putting out the vials and rolling up her sleeves. And the way she looks at him when she has the key in her hand, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. Whatever you're going to do, I am with you. Yeah. And then when Wait, she starts actually being. Johnson? And actually, she keeps fighting in this. Man, she's really good at it. 
So, Dingus, you mentioned uh, – real quick, carry all on to that. Sec. You mentioned the look that they exchanged. Uh, there, there are like at least three moments where the way that she and Tom Cruise look at each other is just fraught with significance and timing and meaning right. and is part of how they interact. One of them is the pole escape scene. Uh, certainly they're, they're in the motorcycle chase where she uh, un, unseats him basically. Uh, and, and Christopher McQuarrie knows this by this moment. Like he actually cuts the sound out of the movie you know, at the very end when they have this unspoken understanding that he is going to be her human shield. Yeah, oh um, man, that, that is so, that's one of my favorite moments I, I, of the year. I mean, I it's the payoff. It's, it's the payoff. Like, it's sort of like the movie leads to this moment in their relationship yeah. where they have this understanding. And I would say it's kind of the, the climax of the movie. Uh, and all the little fighting stuff afterwards is almost just kind of a formality. Uh, and that's and it's, a, it's, a, it's a mini conversation with looks. It's not just one right. like, like, look, yeah. look, 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 go. It's great. And it's also one of the things that I really liked about this script specifically and the way that Christopher McCoy shot it um, is this is a movie where the climax isn't um, necessarily the hero being better with a gun or punching someone really hard, yeah. being a good martial artist. There's this great psychological trick yeah. that he plays with Sean Harris as the villain. And the final showdown, and I love this in movies. It's something we've talked about, Dingus, with, with Constantine. The final showdown is a conversation. And I love that. I love that this did this. Granted, we're going to have some knife fighting and shooting out afterwards. Um, but that whole moment, which leads to them exchanging looks and knowing how he's going to get her and she's going to get him out of this situation, uh, that that was the payoff. And I love that about uh, Rogue Nation. There's, they don't actually kiss even, right? I like, love um, that too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they yeah. did reduce like it to, to a sexual or a romantic right. relationship. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you this then. Do you feel like that the hug shouldn't have happened? Um, it was it was a little soft. I was okay with it, but I feel like I feel like probably at Paramount, someone's like, "Well, there has to be some kind of affection passing between them, otherwise she's gonna maybe people will think she's cold and bitchy or whatever." So I feel like it was like one of those maybe studio mandated things that I was okay with, right. but I would have been okay with it not happening. Yeah, things, yeah. So. Uh, and I'm so, I'm so happy that they didn't kiss. And you know, yeah, that's... Uh, and you know, I talked about this with the the person I saw it with, and she asked, "Well, I don't even think the hug should have happened." And I asked, "Well, do you think that they should have shaken, you know, shaken hands or something?" And she's like, "No, you don't need to do that. They're colleagues. They have respect for each other, and it's understood what their relationship is." And I think that she was right about that. I was just so glad that they didn't have any kissing going on. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So Kelly Wan, she was in Hercules as the. Uh... The mother of the kid. She's like the queen that he comes to help at the end. Oh, wow. She's okay. Yeah. Uh, She's so much more athletic and awesome in this movie than she got a chance to do in that movie. Right. Like, that's the usual thankless role. I'm really I'm pleasantly surprised they cast her. for Like, she must have been – because she knows how to do a lot of different things. Well, in, in her uh, – I think like her main uh, work up to this point, I believe, is a, is a, a British series called The White Queen where she plays – I think it's Queen Elizabeth – uh, it's specifically about three female characters from that time period, and she's one of the three female leads in, in The White Queen, um, which is, I believe, how she got this part. Uh, did you see that? I did not, but I'm curious to now. Like, I'm like, yeah. this is, I want to see more of what she does, and, yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm just elated the movie is doing so well because it ensures that she's probably going to have yeah. a great career going forward. You know, it's going to open a lot of doors for her. And whatever door she goes through, I want to watch her work. Um, oh, God, I yeah, hope it does. Be, it's not a huge hit. Yeah. So here's another thing that I uh, 
so not only is she like I, I liked her as an actor, certainly the physicality of what she was doing. Um, uh, just I, 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 I kind of liked and I wished that in a different time it would have been different. That bikini scene. I kind of wanted more of that. She was really hot in that bikini. Come, like I kind of almost wished that they had played up the cheesecake a little bit more. Uh, a few podcasts ago, I talked about a movie called Colombiana with Zoe Saldana in it. Uh, and there's a really hot scene in it where she's just like in a t-shirt and cutoffs and she's dancing around her apartment. Uh, and I kind of felt like, you know, this is really hot. Show it to us longer. You know, let us luxuriate in the sexuality of this, this actress who looks amazing here. Uh, well, it's a spy movie. You kind of expect that she's gay. Right. Well, uh, and I wish but, that they had played, they had drawn that out a little bit more with that awesome scene where they go to her place in Morocco and she's in the pool and in a bikini practicing holding her breath. Uh, right. It's a plot point and it's characterization. Like they found a way to get her into a bikini and they go, look, she's like, your character would be in a bikini for this. Right. She's got to get a thing. But I do kind of wish that they hadn't, like it felt like, I know there was a lot of criticism in the Star Trek, the J.J. Yeah. Abrams Star Trek where Alice Eve takes off her shirt. I, I don't really have a problem. It's unmotivated. But I, that's the thing is I don't really I, – I don't mind so much highlighting the sexuality of strong female characters. And I know there's a school of thought that says it demeans them or it diminishes them or kind of just reduces them to a piece of meat. And I disagree. Like it's a celebration. It's a resource like everything else about their talent. Right, another, exactly. Yeah. So I kind of feel like we had this – we got a great little glimpse of her in the bikini scene, which kind of recalls Ursula Andress and Dr. No – Draw that out some more. Leave her in the bikini. Let us let us have more of that kind of felt. Well, I don't but see any difference. Kind of... I don't see any difference between that and Tom Cruise appearing with his shirt off. The whole exactly. Time and getting right. you know, so, And I watched some of gro- go- uh, gross Ghost Protocol tonight, and he's like standing there outside the hospital with his shirt off. Here right. he's getting his stomach punched with his shirt off, and I mean he's he's a, he's got a sexy, good-looking body. And we have no problem celebrating that. So, uh, you know, I guess one of the things I asked is, well, what's the brief nudity? Is that is it when she's taking off when her back is to us? She's taking off her clothes to change into her other to her into her smock, or yeah, see and, anything? And the the oh. woman I saw this with said, well, maybe it's when Tom Cruise has his shirt off. So, what's the difference? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the difference, of course, is the the context right. of of women's issues versus men's issues. And I, uh, but yeah, yeah I agree with you, Dingus. In theory, absolutely. If if we can have male cheesecake, give us plenty of female cheesecake as well. And I I, I can appreciate all of it, uh, even though I have a yeah. preference. I'll enjoy both of them. Yeah, yeah me too. And plus, I'm totally too. Yeah. She's she's training in the pool. She's training to hold her breath for three minutes. So here, Dingus, is where I do feel that it, it wasn't as blatantly sexual. But I don't think I've seen any. If I see anything else as hot this year as her propping up that sniper sniper rifle on her leg in that long yellow gown, it will be a very sensual year indeed. Because that right there, that Christopher McCoy knew exactly what he was doing. They knew exactly how to shoot that. That was such a calculated move. Man, I love that moment. Well, just her walking up the stairs in that gown. Good Lord. Well, that whole gown, like, she collaborated with that gown about as well as she collaborated with Tom Cruise as far as the, like, interaction. I mean, her, her performance with that gown, like, as an actor working with another asset, um, man, that gown was one of the stars of the movie in a way. Like, and it's yellow. Like, it's an interesting choice. It was a very interesting choice, right, Kelly Wan? Like, it wasn't, like, black or red. You know, they dress up Paula yeah. Patton for that India party scene yeah. in, um, in, in Close Protocol, but this was in a whole other league, I thought. 
at Yellow Gap. Yeah, that, that, I mean, you know what? That's something I did really like about this movie, is, like, it always did seem to go an unexpected way, um, like you guys have been saying. And that's, like, I give total props for that. So, I, yeah, because I, I, uh, I normally pride myself on how oblivious I am to, to reveals and gimmicks. I do have to say, though, Mission Impossible... You cannot trick me anymore with the face machine. I always see it coming. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> nice try, but you, you didn't get me for well, a just... split second there. I totally knew. Oh, I see where right. you're going. But otherwise, yes, Kelly Wine, I did love some of the reveals. They set up an impossible situation. How are they going to get out of it? But the face machine, you know what? I love that they abandoned it in the last movie. Trying to bring yeah. it back didn't trick me, Christopher McQuarrie. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, and also that's like that's tech from 20 years ago in the movies. <laughs> right. uh, very old school. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's always like, it's like you said, it's like the same scene every time. You're like, whoa, it's, it, now it looks like someone else. And then it's right. like whatever guy is in the meeting. Whenever a scene's longer than two minutes and starting to get tense, you're like, okay, so it's got to be the, but it's like, it's, isn't it in every one of the movies? Well, didn't, for- wasn't the joke in, yeah, yeah, it wasn't every one of them. And the joke in four was that it, the machine was broken or whatever. Uh, right. right. The, make, the makeup spraying malfunctioned and like just splattered makeup on parts of the mask. But they, right. they also sort of, well, kinda- um, they sort of, I don't know, they sort of mess with it early on when Paula Patton does a DNA test on Ethan after they get him out of the Russian pr- prison. Like, as soon as he's in the van, she like, I'm doing a DNA, t- DNA oh, right. test on you. And he's like, it's me, it's me. Well, we can never trust that it's you. Right. And then they try that yeah. mask. And of course, Simon Pegg is co- constantly saying, mask, I want a mask, I want a mask. Right. Which is very he's much like Rick Moranis. Yeah, and you know that that's the one of the few things I really loved about the uh, uh, that movie Spy with Melissa McCarthy is Jason Statham, you know, riffing on the face-off machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my only other comp- my only complaint with this movie is the huh? same one about the second one, which is that the mission's not impossible enough, like it is in number three. Really, did like you did feel like because I I kind of felt like they set up, um, you know, this idea that we got to kidnap the prime minister. Uh, this silly, you know, how contrived the setup is for them getting to that underwater vault. Like, uh, dude, I could do that. <laughs> I mean, what you can only go so far with like saying something is impossible and then solving it. Like, I, I, I don't. Uh, no, yeah. you got to keep trying because okay. the first one. You, wait, you got to break into the CIA. That's impossible. Like that actually is. Right. Like that's an iconically impossible concept. Sure, the Kremlin. You know, the Kremlin was a cool one in the last one. Yeah. But you didn't yeah, feel the, the you didn't feel the kidnapping the prime minister of London of Britain. Eh, they got a mask machine, and that's how they do it. Like that's how possible it is. We can even use just the masks on this one. We don't even need to like. Blow it. I I enjoyed the impossibility of let's uh, let's put a Benji bomb in a crowded restaurant, and you know if Tom Cruise doesn't give him the disc, well, that wasn't oh, their idea. <laughs> but that, that was, was yeah. But but that to me, I mean, that's kind of the the, the pattern is. We set up this really difficult to get out of situation that's quote unquote impossible. Right, right. Oh, and that, yeah, that, and that is a good one because he has to use his wits too, and right. he has no time to prep the speech. He just right. has to go. All right, here we go. Right. Um, but it was more. That scene was more. I thought like about friendship. Like if we if this doesn't work, I'm going with you. But the girl too is sitting there with her with them also. Like she's like backing her life on Tom Cruise's ability to talk down. And that was part two of what I found so compelling about her characters, you know, who right. she lied with, why yeah. she's doing what she's doing, what more do we find out about her agenda? She really is like Tom Cruise's character. Yeah. Like she's that. Well, how do you feel about that whole friendship thing in this movie? Me or Tom? 
you? How do you feel about it? Um, it's a little similar to the to the Vin Diesel gut family kind of thing. Like, yeah, you're the cast of the movie. I know, right. right? Just do cool shit, and you don't have to like make me feel. But I really liked that scene as a scene when I liked the like when he kind of pats Benji. Like, don't worry about this because Benji right. seems seems genuinely petrified. Yeah, He's yeah. like, there's no, this really is impossible. And he he actually like I because I. At first, I'm thinking, wait, Benji's a field agent, too. And after all the shit he's been through, he shouldn't be blubbering like this. But then if you just consider, like, he thinks Tom's going to die with him, and he feels really bad about it because he stayed behind to help him with his friendship speech. And Tom Cruise really was kind of – that's the first, that's the most moved you ever see Tom Cruise in these movies. Like, really? You're staying? Oh, Here's where it kind of loses me. I like this, that. that whole friendship angle and team angle is – First of all, I feel at this point, Ving Rhames is pretty super. Right. Like, what is he still yeah. doing here? Is he like their They're backup packer? Um, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner also just feels awfully peripheral. Um, they just is, met. The whole idea of it being a team feels is feeling kind of forced. And, and that's partly because of the strength of the relationship between Tom Cruise and, and Rebecca Ferguson's character and the strength of the relationship between Tom Cruise's and Simon Pegg's character. Uh, everyone else feels kind of ancillary. After yeah. That. Uh, um, what else? So, oh, uh, but uh, I, I kind of feel like it, you know, they can't very well get rid of those other characters. Oh, here's what happened to uh, did Paula, Paula Patton. Patton didn't die or anything in the last movie, did she? Why was no? I think yeah, it's like it's like Dingus's X Men thing. I think they're just out doing other missions. Okay. Like Tom Cruise is only the he's the only one caring about the Shadow Conspiracy. But I mean, they all have movies where like the girl who. His his rookie who dies in three, like, you know, we've never seen her before. So Sorry, Russell, assume- right. Oh, and, and that's right. And where's Josh Sawyer at this point? Or no, Josh uh, Holloway at this point. Oh, he died. Never mind. He dies. Right. That's, yeah. that's where he is. He's in heaven. Yeah. But so Paula Patton's absence is completely unexplained, right? Yeah. And they had a different girl in three who's, who's absence in that one. And this one's never explained. Okay. We, the Asian lady. Remember her? She was good, too. Uh, and Dingus, were you were you okay with the friendship stuff? What, what makes you ask? Because uh, one of the discussions I had after this is uh, was somebody saying, "Well, they're not people don't talk friends. Like, as, as friends; they're colleagues." Um, but I, I think their relationship is singular, and it's it's different than say a movie about a bunch of businessmen who are not referring who would not refer to each other as friends. I mean, I think that because of what has happened to the IMF in this particular movie, Tom Cruise has to rely on them in a different way. And, and I, I kind of really love that and think this is kind of a movie about friendship. Um, because I love that scene where Tom Cruise is telling, uh, Simon Pegg, where Ethan is telling Benji, go, you know, I'm sending you back. No, you're, 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 right. you're done. Cause usually that's said oh, yeah, yeah. to a vulnerable female character. I'm protecting yeah. you. You're going away. I'm not going to let you be in harm's way anymore. And he's saying it to Simon Pegg instead because he cares about him in a different, in a slightly different way. And he's also protecting him not only as an asset that he will be able to use in further missions going forward because there might not be another mission going forward. He's actually trying to protect somebody he cares about. So I think that really, that really works for me. That certainly works for me in that table scene, uh, when he's dealing with Simon Pegg having a bomb strapped to him and the guy is totally terrified. I mean, I love their relationship. Yeah, but they definitely do play up Benji as kind of the more fussy mother hen type character. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
what uh what did you guys feel about uh the way the action was was done uh so kelly you missed the the airplane sequence i think it's getting a lot of press because uh they're selling this idea that tom cruise really did his own stunts that yeah. you know he did some of the driving uh <laughs> they actually did strap him to the airplane and they set up a special camera and they gave him these special like eye right. lenses to protect him um uh, and, and one of the things that I my response when I hear all that stuff is uh, why you know what was the point of it? Um, I, I, it like it makes an interesting bullet point, but I kind of couldn't care less whether that's CG or actual it, it, as long as I can tell. Like if it's bad CG, I don't know, but I, I don't. It, it sucks. No, I liked it because no not because he he seems to be he seems to. I mean, he could be phoning this shit in, but he's choosing not to. Like. That story is reported, and then he does. It is pretty. So that like he's, look, they are. I never, um, I never believe that crap. Never, because yeah, the, the insurance people wouldn't put up with it. No, they did. I mean, they definitely did strap him to a plane. I, I would. Sus- I, I am suspicious. That Anytime that somebody says an actor says, "I do my own stunts," I mean, I, I respect Dwayne Johnson, for instance, for filming his stuntman while he watches him do his own stunts. I, I, that's the honest thing to do. If you want to pretend you're doing your own stunts and do a couple of things cursorily, fine. But but we all know that's not that the, the insurance company is never going to put up with that. Are you saying that he wasn't actually on the plane? Like, are you actually well, saying? You don't I'm sure they did something cursory, but not the actual. I don't. I never believe that crap. Wow. Okay. Because I, I oh, wait, that's I, ideal. I believe it, but I don't care about it. I mean, they. Well, they I, I agree with you. I I, I think it makes. I believe no that and care about it. And yes, so we've we've got all the bases covered here. But thing is, I really think, I mean, it would be a pretty big deal for them to just falsify that. But I really do think that they, you know, they wired Tom Cruise to the outside of a cargo jet and they took it off a few times. Um, That's cheating, man. uh, Yeah, and and you're right. I'm sure that uh, the insurance covered a lot of it, but it's pretty safe to just, uh, you know, assuming he's not going to fall off, assuming he's willing to. Uh, people die all the time in stunts on movies. Like it's still perilous, even then. Like the, I, I feel terrible that I can't remember her name, but even that poor uh, that camera loader that got killed on the set of Midnight Rider. You know, people die for all kinds of terrible, yeah. stupid reasons. Um, Vic Morrow. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's yeah. not even a stunt man. It's just helica. Like it's movie sets are dangerous. But I do kind of feel like it's just Less it's so. just marketing. Like it doesn't yeah. really make any difference to the actual presentation of the movie or what we see on the screen. You know, it's marketing. Now, where it does matter, for instance, and where there are a few occasions where I think it's it is a big deal. This is really the actor there. Uh, when uh, when Larry Fishburne and, and Keanu Reeves did their actual fighting in the Matrix, like that was kind of and that was kind of a turning point too, wasn't it? Where you know it's not a stuntman and there's just cutting around it. You know, you're seeing the actual actor having trained. You can't hide the physicality of the scene of the actual feat of doing the fighting scenes. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of movies, and they're both big actors. It's both it's two people, like, right? It, it's not professional martial artists right. per se. Uh, yeah. Um, so I appreciate the uh, intent, but it doesn't really matter to me unless it is something like a fight scene like that. Like I couldn't care less if Tom Cruise got strapped to the outside of a plane. Right. I don't, they could just CG that, and it would be just as thrilling for me. Right. No more than I care whether that car flipped over five times, okay, real or not. That, by the way, speaking of bad CG. That yeah. uh, so here, I mean, I, I guess it depends on the fiction, the the, un, the fiction of the universe where you're, you're telling your movie. Um, right. And this is a movie where Tom Cruise can get totally punched in the face 
by a big old Russian dude named the Bone Saw or whatever he was, and not get <laughs> a Bone Saw. Bone Saw's ready. Oh, very. Right, but that car—that's yeah. Fast and the Furious logic, where it's like, all right, don't yeah. worry, I got. I'll get us out of this. I'll crash the car. And I'll flip it over five like, times. Now, yeah, now flip it over. Contrast that Kelly one to the finale in uh, in Ghost Protocol, where him driving the car uh, off of that um, that car elevator and that fancy. Uh-huh. Thing. And, you know, it's a big deal. It incapacitates him. He can barely crawl to press the button. Uh, yeah. Like, this was, I, this was a universe. He takes, no he takes no scratches. He's totally unhurtable. You know, falling off of that motorcycle, going at that speed, yeah. wearing just right. civilian clothes. Uh, man, that would have totally. Like, not even a scratch. Like, just, oh, that was a bad one, even for me, kind of scratch. But, so I'm kind of okay with that, because it happens throughout the movie at a few times. But when well, that car the, flipped over, it was, like, bad right. stuff. Like, and, by the way, yeah. Benji's in that car with him, so when he's doing that, he, that whole friendship thing is kind of going out the window, if you think about it, because he's like... But you know what, Kelly Wand? This is also some BMW product placement to show that BMWs are totally safe. Some BMW product placement. This movie is a BMW commercial. But that's okay because every, every car is either a BMW or an undrivable Land Rover joke. Yeah. Oh, were those were those motorcycles BMWs, Dingus? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. But Dan, she could ride, huh? Damn. So okay, well, let's, so let's talk about the action sequences. So, what did you guys think of uh, the action sequences in this? Which one stood out for you? Did some of them not work? I didn't care for the CG I, in the tumbling yeah. car, but. I liked the water thing. I thought that was okay. the first time where I went, this actually feels like a Mission Impossible sequence. Like, it's technology that's Tom, something going wrong, and Tom Cruise having to, like, do like do damage control and, like, mm-hmm. play from behind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that one actually did seem impossible for a little bit, like, okay. kind of the standard. Uh, the motorcycle chase is kind of... I've seen motorcycle chases in other Mission Impossibles, so that... Um, they should have had like another vehicle, like a truck or a helicopter <laughs> or a tank. Plus, like after the Fast and Fu- we've seen seven Fast and the Furiouses, so it's like vehicular chases are now a little more humdrum to me. I guess I don't know. I just feel spoiled by them. What worked? The op- Go ahead, sorry. Just the opera one, I thought wasn't Mission Impossible enough. Like that was so, felt like it could have been in a James Bond movie. Oh man, I so flips. I so disagree with you about the opera. I so disagree with you about that. I think that, that it was, is, is just beautifully done. Uh, all the different guns and all the different the, the the different. I mean, I know sometimes uh, Tom has said, and I think rightly so in the past, that we have to intercut our action sequence with our, our fight with like five other three other fights that are going on. And I love how these all seem to triangulate. Um, and I like lo- I loved like seeing that instrument come together into a gun. I liked seeing that Teutonic dude come into the booth, and I liked seeing what uh, Ethan was doing through the whole thing, and her getting up into the that that pagoda or whatever it was in Turn Dot. Uh, I I loved seeing all of those things come together in the opera scene, the fight, the way it worked out, the way Ethan just he does I think seem tireder, and she seems more vital. I loved it. I loved that opera sequence. So, Kelly, part of also, because I'm with Dingus on this, the opera thing wasn't supposed to be a heist. It wasn't like a Mission Impossible situation. It was a, it was an emerging, no, it was an emerging sequence where they discover information. We as the audience don't really have an expectation of, here's what they have to do. We're learning things as Ethan is learning things. We're like, okay, who is this dude? Who is this dude? What is she doing here? 
you know, we know the prime or the chancellor is there. Uh, so it wasn't so much a heist as a, a series of reveals and unfolding yeah, plots. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, where it all comes together, where there are three different shooters and he has to decide what to do with the gun at the moment. You know, the music is building to it, to that one note. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that opera sequence is, is so far like one of, one of the best action sequences of the year. Uh, I mean, I can't think of another action sequence we've seen this year, although it didn't occur to me, that's that good. Uh, I just felt it was wacky enough for Mission Impossible. Oh, like look at his seemed- final decision. I mean, did you see that decision coming? Yeah, right. That too, because you're like, that's another. I mean, that's kind of a Mission Impossible tenet too. It wasn't a heist, but it's like, what do you do in this situation? There's two gunmen. You know, you're, there's no way out. You know, how is he going to do it? And so he yeah, did the same thing uh, Keanu Reeves does in Speed. That's the same thing that he does. Speed in. shoots the Austrian Chancellor in oh, the arm. Come on. No, it shoots Jeff Daniels so that the hostage will slide down. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Right, right. Uh, uh, Tom, do you know the music from that from Turned On? Yeah. So first of all, don't say it that way, Diggs. You're hurting my ears. I apologize. Uh, How would you say it? It's Turindo. It's a silent T at the end. Um, Not Turindo is. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they chose that opera. Like, I'm always curious. If you're going to have an opera sequence, you know, why choose a certain opera? Furthermore, at other times in the score in the movie, they revisit the Turindo theme yeah, from this area, which I didn't understand. Ask. That's what. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, I don't understand why they did it. It didn't have any thematic sequence. It was making me wonder, like, you know, if Turindo had been about some Matahari type spy figure, I might have understood, oh, that's the Ilsa Faust theme. Uh, but Turindo is a weird <laughs> opera, and I don't like it at all. It's a later Puccini opera uh, about a dude yeah. who, who is going to – he falls in love with a Chinese princess, and he has to answer these three riddles uh, to get to win her love. Otherwise, he gets killed. Um yeah, it's just like this weird Chinese fable. Uh, Wait, what happens now? You, no. He answers them, and <laughs> so she's going to marry him. And yeah. but he feels sad for having broken her code. So he says, "Look, I tell you what. If you can learn my name before dawn, I'll let you out of it. I'll let you Purple out." Still young. Exactly right. Uh, so, and that famous aria. Uh, Nessun Dorma is he's singing about how no one in Peking, wherever it is in China, no one is asleep because everyone in the city is trying to figure out what his name is. Uh, and here's why another reason that Turandot is a crappy opera. Uh, she figures out his name. So you think it's setting up to be a tragedy, which, you know, one of the hallmarks of great opera, I feel, is it has some terrible, tragic conclusion that is sudden and then it dramatically ends. Um, so at the end of Turandot, she's like, she does find out his name. Uh, She's like, okay, I know your name. I'm going to tell it to everyone. Your name is Love. And that's not actually his name. Uh, she says no. that because she's fallen in love with him, and yes, she's going to marry him, and it's a happy ending. So, so Turandot uh, is a really okay. stupid opera, and I don't know why. It's the fifth element, then. Fifth yeah. element. Oh. And, yeah, so I don't know why, and that wasn't his name, by the way. I don't know why Christopher <laughs> Corey wanted to pick Turandot. It didn't really make any sense, and I certainly don't know why he's going to play the music from it at other moments in their It's a love story about colleagues, him and Benji. Okay. But also, um, it's weird to me that you are so into opera and you know that much about it, that you scorn Dingus having seen like a movie made in 1968 as a grandpa movie. Like, oh! Black and white. Ooh. But getting back to opera. Right. Opera is a far more respectable art form, Kelly Wong, than old black get, and white I just, movies. 
Yeah, no way. I see. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm Look, I, this. by the way, I freely grant that my uh, my absolute lack of familiarity with old movies is a is a cultural gap, and I just I, I joke about that a lot. No, no, I know. I don't know the first thing about older movies, and you know when he right, talks about that. singing in the rain, I'm sure it's a great movie, and you know what? I would probably even love it. But whatever, I've got trashy horror movies to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These operas, it's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just seems like opera. Like to me, if I had to see opera or any black and white movie, I'd take the black and white movie. Like, well, my whole opera thing is just something that I got when I was in graduate school. Like that's something that just happened to me as a kid that I uh, stuck with me. Like I don't, I, I, I haven't seen an opera in you know, ten years or whatever. So maybe his name is Love, though. I don't know. Um, well, is there other action to talk about, Tom? Did you so know that weighed in? Yeah, here's what I loved about that motorcycle chase. Uh, I don't, I don't recall seeing other motorcycle chases where they do that thing. Yeah, you yeah. lay the motorcycle down and have your knee practically touching the asphalt while you're going 100 miles an hour. Um, I don't think I've seen that done like that, sort of not viscerally, but where, where if you're like in that close to the rider, you get that sense of speed. You get that sense of how close they are to laying the motorcycle over to turn. Um, so I love that element of it, which is part of, by the way, motorcycle races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was, my yeah. question was, is, is there a term for that, what they're doing? Because he looks like he's calculating it before he right. does it. Uh, the, the, the it it looks like it's an actual thing that they do, and, and it is from track racing. Yeah. And I was wondering if there's a term for it. Sure, yeah. It, it's called uh, like you. It's called turning. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's how you turn the motorcycle. Uh, it's but the, just that laying that laying like that calculated putting your knee down and the and those two triangles that happen. I mean, it, there's got to be a term for that. Cal- but do you have do you have, an, do you have a uh, uh, sliding down the rope? <laughs> that's another thing they did, by the way. Uh, I love how many situations Rebecca Ferguson is able to solve. By wrapping her legs around someone. Yeah, I love it. I know what you, yeah, she can kill with them or kiss with them. That is her move, isn't it? That, that yeah. she she jumps up on somebody. Leggy. That's right. Move over, Black Widow. Yeah. And then she grabs his gun. Uh, that last kill did make me go. Ugh. I don't know, yellow gown. I don't know what word I yelled out, but I did. You didn't stand up and go nice. I don't. Think Wait, so. which kill? What are you talking about? Where she kills the bone saw dude. Oh. By like climbing up on it on his uh on his shoulders and then the dagger straight to the sternum. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Is that how they gassed at that guy too? Oh, by the way, that something that drove me crazy about that. Um, and this is this is just me putting on my my physics hat. Hey, Rev. A bulletproof glass. When you shoot yeah. bulletproof glass, it doesn't. The bullet just doesn't magically dissipate all its kinetic energy and drop yeah, to the it ground. It goes back into his head. And kills yeah, him. that that, thing, that bullet's be ricocheting around inside that box. Um, yeah. like, like Sean Harris, practice. what are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself. Very reckless. Yeah. Uh, how did you guys feel about Sean Harris? By the way, we saw him last week in '71. He was the villain here. There's a history of. Great villains in Mission Impossible movies, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Not so great ones, Dingus. You mentioned Duke Gray Scott. Yeah, great, yeah. How did uh, how did Sean Harris work for either of you, Dingus? Uh, I I was kind of confused by him at first because I saw that Tom Hollander was going to be in the cast as the movie started, and I kept thinking, did they put a pig face on Tom Hollander? Um, and I and I think that and that's not fair to Sean Harris. I apologize, uh, but, but mainly that's because I've been watching the makeup in Hannibal as I've been watching that show, and it's got this weird uh, face on uh, on 
uh, Mason Verger. And so I just went, did they totally mask Tom Hollander? Uh, what's going on here? And finally, I realized it, that it, this was not Tom Hollander. It was John, John Harris. Uh, I, I actually really, really liked him. Um, uh, I, I guess I should kind of, uh, well, no, I'll talk about that in a little minute. Um, but yeah, I, I liked him a great deal. I mean, it was it was great to see him again uh, after just seeing him so recently. Yeah, they didn't do a lot with him. I mean, they didn't. He was just kind yeah, of you, there. You can tell much about him. Like he didn't do anything awesome ever. Like he could have been anyone. Like, like just, I was glad to see him. I love when he shows up. But yeah, I'm and I like his performance. Yeah. He just didn't do anything. Maybe go. Oh, got it. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman does a lot of shit in three that makes him like a really fun. <laughs> match for Tom Cruise, I right. think. Right. Uh, intellectual. Well, I think they have more interaction, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But this guy was just a standard looking and acting like spy movie. Villain. And it's kind of a terrible uh, plot is, hey, I just want to get my money. <laughs> like, that was yeah. like, oh, okay. Just, you're, you're gonna, die Hard 1. Hey, you're going to finance uh, your terrorism and that's the, uh, yeah, like Die Hard 1. Exactly. Kind of it's about, like, it's about bond certificates or whatever. Well, no, it's yeah, not just that. No, 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 no. It's not that. What's not it, that? It, it's, no, in this, it's not that. It's the standard, we're going to complete, make destruction so that everything resets. That's why well, he's no, no, the but, money. Right, but that's not, he's not doing that. That's not the central plot of what he's trying to do in, in Rogue Nation. The central plot of Rogue Nation is he needs to get his financing. Right, but in Die Hard 1, the only reason Hans wants the money, he's pretending to be a terrorist because he just wants to be on a beach earning 30%. He doesn't care about terrorism. That's exactly what I'm money. saying. Is that, right, the, the plot, and that's what Kelly Wan said like Die Hard 1, the plot here is a guy needs to get paid. The plot in uh, Die Hard 1 is a guy needs to get paid. Yeah, but it's he not, needs to get paid here in order to change society. Who cares what he's going to do with the money? He's a bad guy who wants money, whatever. Yeah. All right, but he, but he lays out that... that which is now becoming increasingly tired for me, that plot of I, I want to destroy everything so it changes. And Hans Gruber doesn't have any of that. He's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm just going on a beach. They're both boring. Yeah, that's Hans what I'm saying. Is they, right. Uh, like, okay. it, 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 nobody's trying to destroy the world yet. Like, this is just about people wanting to get money. And I, you know what? I'm okay with, like, not every yeah, plot has to be, hey, we prevented the apocalypse. Uh, yeah. But that oh, no, it's also, I think that kind of diminishes what you can do with your villain. It's sure, he gets the little speech about, you, you know, chaos and resetting the system. Fine, he gets but in that. in three, it was personal. Right, but then, right, there's nothing personal. It's just about, you know, his ultimate goal in Rogue Nation is to get the disc with all of his routing numbers for his bank accounts. Yeah. Um, right, but I think, I think there's a difference between the two things. I think that his ultimate goal is that other thing, and I think that makes a difference, but I just okay. disagree. Sure. Um, did you like Sean well, Harris in this? I mean, other than I mean, him I, not I, having I anything love, to do. Yeah, no, I love when he shows up. So I, I, I even like, hey, and Prometheus, like, hey, it's Sean Harris. Uh, right. So, yeah, I mean, to really see what Sean Harris can do, as I mentioned in our seventy-one podcast, uh, watch your British series called uh, Red Riding. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I was just disappointed that. They just, you know, they didn't. His goal didn't have anything to do with his character, interestingly. Like, he didn't get. To, okay, now since we're resetting, I'm going to fly into this uh, pod or something. Submarine. And it was weird seeing him uh, being all, like, clean cut looking like that. Like, normally, yeah. as we saw in 71, like, normally because he's got such a distinct face, like, I think he's used to play more disheveled characters. Uh, so it was kind of cool seeing him all proper looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so uh, how did we feel about – so this was Christopher McCoy's third movie as a director. He did Way of the Gun. Uh, then he did Jack Reacher. Uh, how did we feel about – does this make you want to see more Christopher McCoy movies? How do you guys feel he acquitted himself in his third movie? Did he write the fourth one, or was that Brad Bird too? Who wrote the fourth one, Dingus? Was that Brad Bird? Because uh, I remember reading something like McQuarrie and he have worked, Tom Cruise have worked together. Oh, no, it was... Oh, uh, I repeat. Jack Cruise. Right, 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 right. Yeah. He wrote that, Doug Lyman directed it, so yeah. This is right, a, yeah. Uh, I did like... He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Early on, I liked the... Uh, when um, he, Tom Cruise goes in the record shop and, and the woman says to him, I've heard stories that can't all be true. Uh, I loved that Tom Cruise didn't respond. Like I was right, like, hey, I did too. I did too. Yeah. I'm like, here's where yeah. a writer would put in some. Right. Here's the stupid like, light. Yeah, you oh, see it coming. He smiles. The music's up. Like yeah, here exactly. it comes. And the thing. No dialogue. Like, no line. Like I yeah. think McCoy, that takes a a smart writer to know not when to when not to write a line. I appreciated that. And right. Tom Cruise. Like he, he, you can imagine him going, wait, don't I, should I say something awesome here? And it's like, like no. He's just so confident, and he's, yeah. he understands what he brings to the picture so much, and I think that's why he lets uh, Rebecca Ferguson do so much. Yeah. And I think that was, that's why in that first scene on the airplane, um, before he when he pops the chute to take the that nerve gas off the airplane, it's just he just gives the guy a look. Yeah, it's like it's kind of a shrug, like hey, what are you gonna do? Right? Yeah, what are you gonna yeah. do? He doesn't say a snappy line. It's just. You know, and he gets away with that every single time. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and that is that is kind of what you're getting when you cast Tom Cruise, isn't it? It's, uh, sometimes the guy yeah, doesn't say anything. It's just Tom Cruise. Yeah, I see it as his Ethan Hunt character though, because in four he's super pissy for the whole movie. He's just like blah, 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 fucking stupid Benji. God, I hate you all. It is not about friendship. And in this, it's more like, all right, I'm ready to get laid again. Let's see. Let's get, he's like on his game. Like, he's not annoyed for the movie. Like, even when he's captured in the dungeon, he's like, oh, I know who you are, dude. You yeah, yeah. Like, he had a plan possibly even without her. And Kelly Wand, I, 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 I just want to say real quick, Kelly Wand, I, I didn't care for it at first, but eventually I was won over entirely by your Tom Cruise voice. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That was weird. That's my natural voice, so I, yeah. So I wrote here somewhere in my notes, when did someone, did someone call Ethan uh, the living manifestation of destiny? Yeah, Yeah, like Baldwin did. Ew. That's how Tom just went, okay, I can hand him a gun, because he's not nuts. I don't remember, I must have blocked that out. So Alec Baldwin says that about about Tom Cruise? To the Prime Minister of England to convince him. Oh, (laughs) like how badass, but wait, that's when... He That's when he, wait, is that when he is just, no, no, no. It's right before he unmasks. Right before it. Oh my right God. before it. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, oh well, I guess if they give it to, like, the blowhard CIA director character, that's okay. You thought it was the enemy. Well, I wrote that for some reason with a little, like, frowny face, like, this is stupid. Uh, and no, it's that, weird. Yeah. It's like I, what Hot Americans it, It's so, it's such a, it's such a clunky line. And it comes right, like, Right before, I think somebody says something about you have set back American-British relations back to the revolution. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And then we get the first of two desperate times, desperate measures. Like, right, yep, yep, exactly. A little, little call and response kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So the applause line is, I know nothing about senators or something. And then that's oh, yeah, yeah, I can neither confirm nor deny, right, yeah. Um, Got him! With vagueness! Well, you remember, I mean, one of the things that I forgot in, in watching... Um, 
Ghost Protocol is that the secretary is killed in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's Tom Wilkins. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's why they're in these hearings and, and why Jeremy Renner just keeps to say, keeps getting to say that. And Alec Baldwin says, well, there's no secretary. Right. I, I will yeah. say, by the way, I kind of agree with the Senate hearings because when they talked yeah. about, uh, you know, the IMF has no oversight. They're not operating with transparency. Uh and that a lot of the stuff, what did they say? Like a lot of their results uh, feel like luck. Oh, yeah, the results look like luck. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of highlighted at the point when Tom Cruise gets hit by the robot arm underwater, and he's got the two keys. He doesn't know which one is which. Right. And he just randomly put. Yeah, the results were luck there. Like he basically right. it was a coin toss whether that whole operation was going to get blown. So I, I kind of side with that. But that's their superpower. No, yeah, but they don't know. They think luck is like. They're forgetting it's Tom Cruise luck. So How about just like, bringing a Sharpie with you and writing a little X on one? Exactly. Dingus, Dingus, you should be in charge of the IMF with that kind of thinking. Yeah. That makes it too possible, though. Yeah. Mm. Kelly Wan, did you learn anything in this movie about relationships? Wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Over, under. <laughs> uh, so I didn't I, – I kind of just uh, – what do you call it when you just lightly hit the ball? Of, oh, I, I kind of bunted the over, under. Um and I just went with <laughs> I, I prefer Ghost Protocol. Right? I prefer Ghost Protocol to this slightly, even though it doesn't yeah, affect the Ferguson. That's my but, over too. But I didn't. Kelly one, you can't steal mine. Uh, but I like. But I thought this was better than the J.J. Abrams one, which I also really liked because of the performances. So my over is Ghost Protocol. My under is Mission Impossible Three. So Kelly one, okay. What? So you stole from me my over. Did you also steal my under, or do you have a different under? For Rogue Nation. My under is two because I consider it the shitty one of all five of them, and I like all other all other four other Mission Impossible. So like, you're I'm glad they're a six. So for your under, you're just putting the worst Mission Impossible. Yeah. You know, I never agreed to play this bracketing thing. Okay. Right? Fair <laughs> you guys just did that on your own. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Dingus, what are your overs and unders? All right. My over is, and I've been thinking about this as we've been talking. My over is a, is a movie with uh, with a a city uh, Land Rover ish motorcycle chase that I love much more, and the, and is sexier, and that would be Skyfall. Um, and so, whenever you guys were talking about, or when we were talking about how uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, looks in that dress when she's walking in. I'm just thinking about Naomi Harris and that shaving scene. Uh, those are two different. I mean, obviously the the um, the dynamics in those two different relationships are very different. Uh, but I and and then the the rooftop motorcycle chase and the way she drives that thing through town, um, knocking the mirrors off of it uh, on purpose. The pedestrians. Uh, I love that. So, so real quick, because uh, are you then? Putting Naomi Harris in Skyfall above Rebecca Ferguson in Rogue Nation? Um, for chemistry factor, yes. I'm not necessarily saying for acting factor. I mean, I'm not going to run out and see a Naomi Harris movie, but I'll see anything Rebecca Ferguson does from here on out. But you just thought the the role that Naomi Harris filled in, in Skyfall, like that elevated it above what Rebecca Ferguson did for, uh, for – like you ultimately prefer – well, I mean, I guess by it being your over – no, I'm, I'm talking about the overall movie, but the, the two things that we've talked about in this particular podcast were one of them was a, a motorcycle chase, and one of them was that dress that she was wearing as she went up the stairs, that yellow dress, and I'm thinking of the red dress that Naomi Harris wears, okay. um, and I think she's 
she's kick-ass too. She just doesn't get to do as much stuff. Uh, but I think that there's far more sexuality in Skyfall, and that's fine with me. That shaving scene, again, is one of my favorite scenes, but uh, I'm not saying because she's hotter that I like it more. I'm just saying that those are two things we talked about during the podcast, and I'm relating it to the pick that I picked above. Because I think I think Skyfall has more of a personal... Um, and, and this is also something I thought about when you guys were talking about uh, how the villain was disappointing. I think uh, one of the things that I like is while I was a little bit disagreeing with you guys on the villain in Skyfall and that I thought he was a little bit too Hannibal lecter uh, I like that his motivation is personal. There's a more personal motivation, and I like that about Skyfall more than I like the motivation of the villain necessarily in this movie. Well, I would, I would, I'm with you. I would definitely put Skyfall over uh, uh, Rogue Nation overall, but one of the things I loved about Rebecca Ferguson is having no idea who she was, but being completely won over by the moment she walked on screen. You know, I already thought Naomi Harris was badass from 28 Days Later. Um, yeah. So it, for me, it's it's always cool when you see a new actor who is just hits you like a ton of bricks like that. Um, so that I really literally. appreciate. Literally. Mm, no, 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 no. Not literally. Yeah, figuratively. Oh, I'm going to, yeah. All right, so Dingus, what is your under then? My under would be Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. <laughs> what? What is Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit? Oh, oh, no, I, I thought he was making a Jack Reacher joke. Right, right. I've totally forgotten about that already. Yeah. Of course. Just, yeah. Why is it your under? Uh, I, I was I was thinking about movies that had this level of intrigue that I really, really liked, um, but that that had more problems as far as um, how the movie shakes out, how the lead really works, uh, how the chemistry works out. Um, but I, I, as it turns out, I mean, I, re- I really did actually like Jack Ryan Chalper quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, I'm a fan of Kenneth Branagh as a director and he appears in it as well. And there's some weird Russian accents in it. So, I mean, I, I think it, I think it brackets pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Kelly Wand, thoughts? Uh, with me, Rebecca Ferguson would only need to hold her breath for five seconds. One, two, three, I do feel that uh, Rogue Nation could have used a little Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great actor, Tom. That's the takeaway. Really learned a lot about the craft, as I call it. Tom, Chris no Pines in Wet Hot American Summer. He's also in uh, another transportation disaster movie uh, this winter about an... What is that thing called, Dingus? What'd you say? What is that thing called? Where you, it's Chris Pines' other transportation disaster movie, the oil tanker one that we saw the trailer for. Oh, uh, The Finest Hours. Finest Hours? Or The Finest Hour. Isn't it The Finest Hours? I'm confusing it with the thing that Churchill said about the RAF. Their Finest Hour? I'm confusing it with Nicole Kidman's name. You're talking about his Coast Guard thing. Right. Is it a Coast Guard thing? Yeah, it's like some period piece where he saves Casey Affleck from an oil tanker. Right, he's he's in the Coast Guard. I'm sure it's something called, like, The Finest Hour. Okay. Something like that. Uh, All right, well, Dingus, uh, what do you have for us for this week's 3 by 3 All right, this uh, this week... uh, was inspired by watching a, a bunch of movies, um, including watching No Country for Old Men for a previous 3x3, where, where the money is clearly prop 
pristine prop money uh, stacked in a briefcase. It looks like it's just come out of a printer and been cut or, or uh, laundered in iron. So it's just it looks like a piece of paper that has been printed upon and it has never been touched in its life. Can I? Can I, by the way, uh, justify this because I've been thinking about this over the week. By the way, I hate this topic. I'll tell you more in a minute. Uh, I've been thinking about this in No Country for Old Men for for the past week. I think they earn that because what we find out, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't this money come from Stephen Root's like corporate banking skyscraper place? Well, that's fine, but but banks don't print money. Money comes from no, no, but the actual mint. Right. And then the bank actually processes it. So when we, whenever we see this, and I'm, and I understand how it looks visually. It's on pallets. It might be in a, in, in a thing on a ship where it's all like perfectly stacked and perfectly flat. So go ahead. But the, the money is, is in no country for old men is not passed down through a bunch of like filthy Mexican drug dealers is what I'm saying. Cause that's what I was thinking. Oh, that's racist. I was thinking, oh, Dingus is right. You know, he finds it out in the desert with a bunch of drug dealers. Um, it should be dirty money, but then I was remembering. No, wait a minute. We trace it back to this this skyscraper in Dallas where Woody Harrelson meets Stephen Root, um, and it does come from like a more corporate setting. At least that's the implication. Well, that's so, fine, but I don't know where all this perfect money is coming from or going to, because sooner or later money has to be recirculated, and right. that money goes back into the system. They're not all getting it from the mint every time there's a drug transaction. Maybe Stephen Root was. <laughs> maybe saying. he was. Yeah. I was just I was just on board with you about No Country for Old Men until I remembered that the, there was that corporate connection, and then I was like, "Wait, it's only dirty looking money, but it can come from any source." I thought. Well, I, I just I, I wanted to think of of times in movies where you actually see money that looks like money that we've all used that I would take out of my wallet to right. hand over, like, "Oh, thanks for paying for the movie. Here's a twenty dollar bill." Oh, that looks like. You know, a hundred other people have had that $20 bill in their hands instead of this money that looks like a bunch of sheets of paper that have been stacked together. And so that's what this week's 3 by 3 is. Right. I actually love this topic, Tom. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I can't wait to see where your picks are because I kind of cheated. They're good. Ah. Kelly Wan, you start us off by giving us your number three favorite example of anything else we can call this dirty money or, or uh, weathered money, stressed money. What, what do you want to call this? Uh, I, I'm going to call it something along the lines of, of dirty money, used money, worn money, something like that. Okay, so Kelly Wan, what's your number three example of dirty money, worn money, or used money? I'm going to do a theoretical quote from it. All right. <clears throat> Fold. Obviously, it is, uh, 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 what's that, rounders. No, it's about a paper factory, not poker. Uh, Did you say fooled? Thought he yeah. said fold, like fold. I fold. The full, the Millennium Falcon. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Like I'm not sure what he's doing, Dingus. I don't yeah. know either. What's going on? I guess he'll have to tell us what movie it's from. It's from the film Cincinnati Kid with Steve McQueen. Which I feel like, Dingus, did you ever see that movie with Anne Margaret's in it? Uh, Edward G. Robinson. Isn't Harrison Ford in that? <sighs> Sorry. What's the Harrison Ford movie that sounds like Cincinnati Kid? The conversation. All right, never mind. What's Dingus talking about? The what I'm kid? I'm not sure. Cincinnati, Cincinnati kid. I don't know. Force ten. Wait. From from Navarro. My, my mistake. Yeah, I thought Navarro. I thought Harrison Ford was in Cincinnati kid. I'm wrong. Go ahead. Moving on. I can't tell if he's trolling. <laughs> I'm not trolling you. I was just guessing. The Harrison Ford. The Frisco kid. No, because I'm just curious what movie you're talking. Oh, Frisco about. kid. Maybe that's what I was thinking. All right, go ahead. That's Gene Wilder. Okay. Oh wait, he's a bat. I think you're right. You're not crazy. Sorry. 
So say a kid though, it's a poker game, and I remember being really struck by the fact that in all the poker scenes, because it's like uh, uh, what do they call this house? Flop houses? Know what they're called? Um, they don't use chips. They use these really big ass because it's the 30s. Um, these really big bills, and they're just they just look really well thumbed, and they make this really rustly, crackly noise. And I think it was supposed to represent the seedy lifestyle of the era and the characters and the time period. Wait, so. This isn't even money. You're talking about some like stand-in for money in a poker house? In, in a no, poker I think house? it's supposed to be 1930s money. It's just How is 1930s? 1930s money was different than than modern money. Or Steve McQueen just has really small hands because when it seems like it just looks bigger when he's holding it. Was it, was the movie set in America or was Cincinnati reference like more ironic or or a metaphor? I'm very upset at you. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I thought money in Cincinnati. Closer to when we had England's money, because the camera adds ten pounds. Wow! Um, see Kelly Wand, see what you you set him up for. See what I was bad. Yep. See yeah. what you know, and I, it, that's the thing. I gave he gave us a tough topic, and I actually gave a good entry. And look what he does. He just sure. shits all over it. Well, I, I don't think this is. I think you're talking about something that's not actual money, though. I mean, and this, by the way, it's a funny joke. But considering what I did with the topic, that's okay. But I just am questioning whether or not you're talking about actual money or some kind yeah, of markers. Money. Okay. And not only is it real money, it's wait. You're saying I'm. You're saying it's like poker money. It wasn't a casino. That's the thing. What does like, it look like? like? What does it look it's like? It's like really see. big. It's green bills of money. All right. And it's like uh, it's like hundreds, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're green, and they just like. He just counts, like, one, two, three, four, five. Like, they don't count, but, like, a lot of the movie is just them, like, taking money from, like, a giant sheaf of it and putting it in the middle of the table. All right. And it's just, um, it really made me want to play poker. All right, and the movie is set in the 30s, you're saying? Yeah. Wait, you don't, wasn't money, wait, you're saying money didn't used to be bigger, like, that's the part I'm being crazy on. I'm pretty sure that I've got, like, coins in in my office somewhere that probably are from like the 30s don't we all have coins that old i'm sure they're like pennies from world war ii that look just like pennies today i wasn't aware that bills had changed substantially maybe they have i don't know wait those are real pennies but say if coins didn't change so why would bills have changed maybe they have because different presidents they didn't have uh thomas <laughs> jefferson yet right. or yeah, then Taft was still a new thing. They had, he hadn't really reached the cities yet. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a line from my number three. You ready for this? Yeah. It was made of hemp, too. This yes. will not be over quickly. You will not enjoy this. I am not your queen. Beast no, or really? Is it Beast I thought I knew it. No? That last line threw me. Oh. I'm not your queen. Let me get, how about if I do it this way? This will not be over quickly. You will not enjoy this. You are not my queen. What if I say it? sounds it like George Lucas to us before Oh, my God, no. No, that, those first two lines sound very familiar. I just can't. Yeah, they do. Like recent, your, your, your George Lucas guess was close because it's Zack Snyder. So here's where I'm kind of cheating because I was oh, trying to think right. of uh, when Dingus was talking about like used money, money we actually use, I wanted to think of scenes where people pull a crumpled bill out of their pocket. And generally it's yeah. like little kids or something. You know, like they've got the, just a crumpled bill, and, you know, that's totally weathered money. Um, but a key component of that is coins. Um, 
in coins, you're never going to have like a mint fresh coin. You know, a coin is never going to read as being unstressed. So I was, I, I, I came up with coins because coins are always going to be just like something you pull out of your pocket and they're, they're disheveled. They're never going to be like neatly pressed or I guess you might have a roll of coins, but these are all just, just coins, um, that you don't have to stress. You don't have to make them look weathered and, and it's convincing. So this is the scene at the end of 300 when Lena Headey uh, calls out uh, Dominic West and when he's addressing the, the council and they're trying to send reinforcements to the 300 led by Ger- Gerard Butler out in the field. Uh, and he has raped her and betrayed her. She was he was she was going to get his help in the, the council. Uh, Bad value for the rape. And uh, she uh, ends up taking out a knife and stabbing him, which luckily also cuts open this purse that he had. She stabs him in the coin purse where he had all these Persian coins that he'd been bribed with. Um, and they spill out all over the floor. Um, so, so it looks like a miss, but it's a hit. So. Yeah, so those coins right there, disheveled money, the, it shows the uh, – not Xerxes. Who's the guy that he's fighting in 300? It's Xerxes. Oh, it is him. Okay. It shows his picture. And the council all sees, oh, he was a traitor. He's got, you know, Persian money. Uh, That's dumb that he gave him money with his face on it. Well, and also that that, uh, he carries it into the council. Like that he's carrying it into the council. Yeah, that's Keep that stuff. This will prevent knives. You should have had bearer bonds. Thank you, Dingus. Exactly. Right. All right. (laughs) So, uh, Dingus, this is your topic. What did you pick for your number three of worn money, used money, or uh, dirty money? All right. My number three, here's a quote from it. I don't tip. Obviously, this is the opening of Reservoir Dogs. Yes, it is. Uh, and um, I was really looking for the, that thing you were talking about, uh, where like crumpled up bills, like a, a character going, "Okay, how much how much money do you have on you right now? Uh, look look through your pockets." Um, and so when they're all at the table, and uh, Joe gets up and says, "All right, I'm paying for the. I'll, I'll cover the breakfast. You guys cover the tip." And and guys are just throwing a buck in. He's like, it's a buck a piece. And they throw a buck in. And, and then we have the whole long, drawn-out dialogue about I don't tip. And then um, Tim Roth's character, Mr. Orange, reaches in to get his money back. And then he tosses it back in when they tell him, no, no, you can't get away with that. And then a joke finally comes back to the table, and he, and he pulls out, pulls the money back together. He uncrumples it and starts to stack it. And it's just that way that you have to stack money that's been crumpled before or been in somebody's pocket that isn't perfectly in a flat kind of bundle and and he knows as he does it okay who didn't who didn't put in i don't i think he maybe even just glances at it and knows who didn't put in but as but as the camera pulls back and he's telling mr pink you know you know throw in you bastard i paid for your breakfast and he's stacking those bills and they just looks like real money in his hands that has been in guys pockets and that they just threw on the table Carrie right. Wan, what do you have to say to that? What's your number two example of worn money, used money, or dirty money? I'm going to do a quote. Mm-hmm. Rules in a knife fight? No rules. Don't think I've seen this. Oh, come on. What? Silence ensues from that? Oh. All right, this is from a movie that I admit is hit and miss, and parts of it have, haven't dated very well. Wait, or are dated? Which one is it? Anyway, it's Butch Cassidy of the Sundance Kid. And I wanted to pick from the poker scene at the beginning where Sundance is playing, but I don't think you actually see the money. So then mm. I realized 
There's a scene in Butch Cassidy. Wait, you haven't seen that film? Kind of, of course I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, the famous uh, Singing in the Rain bicycle montage. I'll never forget. Ugh. Wait, you didn't know the knife? Yeah, I know. But the knife fight part? It was your delivery that threw me. Oh. He's all Danny Trejo. Well, anyway. There, okay, so the part where they use the dynamite on that train car, and they blow, they use too much dynamite, and the money is like kind of blown up, too, and it's just ah, like sure. through the air. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like charred and it's on fire. Yeah, you use that dynamite, Butch. Right, that's a famous scene. Sure. Right. Okay. So then the sub, there's a really. I don't know if this was intentional or not, uh, but like if you think about, it, it's like the last time in the movie they ever score, and like the entire gang's together, and it's immediately right before the super posse shows up. So that's like, it's dirty money, and it's like the end too of like. So like the dirtiness represents like their fate. It's like foreshadowing. Man, Kelly Wand, you're going deep with the exegesis there. Bro! <laughs> Butch Cassidy, it's our room 236. 237? <laughs> What's that fucking movie called? I, I can never remember the... Uh, so I'm always looking for that in a movie or TV show when someone goes into a hotel room. I'm like, are they are they just using the Shining Room? Like, is this another... And, but I can never remember the number, so I always... The Shining Room? Yeah, the Shining Room. Do you know the twins aren't twins either? And it's a different room number in the book, but it's also that happens in the page wait, number. Wait, of hold the on, book. Are you serious? Oh wait, 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 hold on. Say that again. It's a, the page number thing. Say that again. If you it happened, if, okay. If like if it's room two three seven, it that happens on page two three seven. Oh my god, Stephen King is such a tool, isn't he? Yeah. Moon landing. <laughs> no. in, uh, in Ghost Protocol, there's this great sequence where Simon Pegg has to change the hotel rooms uh, numbers. Right. Right. And he's got these, oh, yeah, yeah. these special uh, pods that are perfectly them. suited to go on the door, and he can reprogram the hotel room number that appears on the door so they can fool the two people who are coming to think they're going to the wrong hotel room. And when Tom just said that, it made me think of them reprogramming the hotel room doors. Is one of them 237? No, it's oh, like... Because okay. they're, they're super high on the skyscraper. It's got to be four digits at least. Yeah. No, no, it's it's just... It, but it's a, it's a letter and then it's like 160 or something. Or Wait, one, so it's 119, four, then he changes it to 118 or something. Tom. Wait, that high in that skyscraper, they're using, the, the rooms have three digits. They're three digit rooms. Yes, because each, each floor has its own room designation number. Oh, oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Tom didn't know that. Wait, Tom, if there was a hotel room off, who would win? Room 237 or room 1408? If it was a Stephen King haunted hotel room. Room 237. Yeah. It's just got an old grandma in the bathtub, and 1408's got, like, frozen shit and fucking yeah, lasers. One of them is Jack Nicholson, and one of them is, a, what, a Timothy... John uh, Cusack. John Cusack? Oh, God, even yeah. worse. Yeah. Clearly, See? 237 wins. Yeah. Taps into our fears for John Cusack. The uh, way that his friend t- tapped into our fears of typing. Okay, that's your takeaway from unfriended, is that we're afraid to type. All right. Like. And Butch Cassidy were afraid of Bolivia. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a line for my number two pick. Uh, you don't think I go into combat with loose change in my pocket, do you? <laughs> no my one. delivery threw you off, and that's your delivery for anything? <laughs> Dingus, do you know the movie? Because I don't. No, I'm, I'm just curious uh, as to whether... Uh, did you pick, pick coins for all three of yours? Maybe. Right. Uh, what if I tell you that the person who says, you don't think I go into combat with loose change in my pocket, do you? What if I tell you that that's Keenan Wynn? Real. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's Strange Love? Yeah. Right. So I, I love how uh, 
Uh, oh, I thought it was one of the uh, Damon Wayans brothers. Oh, no, Wayan and Wayne are different words. Okay, right. Uh, one of the things I like, because I was looking for the scene where uh, he actually gets the money out of the Coke machine, uh, yeah. is Peter Sellers, like, sort of fingering through the change he has in his palm while he's on the phone trying to get to the president. Right. You know, he pulls it out of his pocket, uh-huh. and he's just got – you never actually see it, but you hear him clinking around with a few coins. Um, and what's so cool about that is he's just playing the straight man in that scene. He's yeah. letting Keenan Wynn be the goofball, uh, and actually that's his whole deal with that character. Uh, Mandrake or whatever is he's the straight man to other the other craziness. Um, so that's the scene where and I forgot about this by the way. The weakest part, excuse me, of Doctor Strangelove, uh, where the movie arguably falls apart for a moment. And I wish this had been cut. Um, Keenan Wynn finally shoots the coke machine. He just fires three bullets into the coke machine, and then money starts coming out of the coin return. He bends down to get the money out of the coin return. And Coca-Cola sprays out of one of the bullet holes into his face, which is like some dopey slapstick thing from like a Three's Company, or it's like some sitcom moment. Eh, it's all about flavor, dude. If There's you don't no, like that, you're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola company. For that. that line's yeah. fine because it's black humor, but it's slapstick to have Coca-Cola spray you in the face, I think. you want So you want women holding phones longer. <laughs> And Coke sprayed shorter. Got it. Or not at all. He he wanted new Coke. Tom still hung on the women holding phones longer. Yeah, I don't know what that's a reference to. Uh, From Blue Jasmine, where she hangs up and you're like, she hung up too quickly. We need to see her face longer. Was Woody Allen cutting too soon? Yeah, there's no phone involved. You're you're inventing the presence of a phone in a previous comment that I made a couple podcasts ago. But, uh, yeah. I think there was a phone in that one, too. It's... Well, at any rate, I don't feel uh, like there are there any other slapstick moments in Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, arguably like some of what George C. Scott is doing is over the top. Peter Sellers' and, arm, but I don't think it's slapstick. I don't think that's slapstick. And besides, the that's, arm? that's the climax of the movie. By the way, the movie earns that moment. Then it's okay for slapstick. No, but I think Tom is right about that because it's not. It, I mean, that's basically slipping on a banana peel. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't feel like you need that at that point in the movie. I'd have to see the timing on it. Like, it's kind of one of those things where... No, it's even... The timing is... It's even like... He, it, the scene, by the way, fades out. Like, while yeah, he's just yeah. sitting there with Coca-Cola spraying in his face. Oh, uh, that does sound bad, actually. Yeah. You know what? I think I'm... I think you've convinced me it's bad. But my other question is, do you... That was, not that that was a question. But, like, um, do you see the coins that you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely... Uh, when All he right. fires the rifle into the machine, the coins start spitting out of the coin return like a, like a, like he's at the jackpot or something. And I think like you, you, get, you get the sense that he's going through them and trying to figure out which ones are American. Exactly, right. Like, he's just come over from England. He's not familiar with American money just yet. Yeah. Oh, were you talking about uh, Peter Sellers as Mandrake, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way he's going through it with the coins in his palm, and I totally see. I mean, both of your your picks, I can actually see the coins you're talking about or or see that moment. And I see him, like, like doing that thing with your finger in your palm and trying to figure out which coin am I going to use. Well, and he's also, he's squinting at the telephone, like, to relate, you know, uh, 10 cents, 10 cents. Like, he's clearly, like, a guy over from England who's not used to picking a dime out of a, a handful of change. Yeah. And he's trying to talk to her. Can we make a uh, Trump to Trump call? I mean, why do you know that, Dingus? Look at you. Very I nice. just remember. I just remember that. I mean, it's a great. It's a great pick. I, I wasn't expecting coins, but that's fine. And I remember the Persian coin falling in the way the different coins were weathered. Well, you're going to love my number one pick then. But first, Dingus, 
What is your second favorite instance of worn money, used money, or dirty money in a movie? All right, I'm not going to choose a, a quote from it um, because it has a, an actor that uh, that I really, really like involved in the scene, uh, or as the beneficiary of the money. That is is an actor that only Tom, I think, knows when I say this name, and this is Mark Boone Jr. Ah, well, Kelly, one, do you, you know who Mark Boone Jr. is? No, I don't see movies uh, unless it's about the senior member of the family. Hmm. I, Kelly knows who he is. He just might not know his name. Mark Bone Jr.? Yeah. And what's great is that his name is spelled – Jr. is spelled out. His name is Mark Oh, Bo- I wouldn't have – I don't know that I would have known oh, that. Oh, like Smokey and the Bandits Jr. Yeah, it's not like it's Mark Boone Jr. period. It's Mark Boone Jr. Yeah. And uh, I, know, I know Tom knows who this is. And so this scene is from Seven. Um, and Mark Boone Jr. plays this really stinky, gross-looking dude who... Because you've um, narrowed it down to every single one of his performances, but go on. Right, well, but but Brad, but Brad Pitt calls him Mr. Stinky. Um, what? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> he goes, you mean Mr. Stinky? Cause, because Brad Pitt just cannot understand why in the world, Morgan, why in the world Somerset is is wanting to get this guy's help and uh, and they've met up with him cl- clandestinely and and Morgan Freeman's character Somerset has told him what he wants and then uh, they go to this terrible crappy or, or they're they're at this terrible crappy uh pizzeria um that where you know Morgan Freeman says this place has had a hundred like it, so many health violations in the last six months and Brad Pitt's eating pizza and doesn't care. Um, and so while they're sitting there talking and they're talking about all the different books they have to read from the library, um, uh, Morgan Freeman says, okay, give, what, what, how much money do you have? Give me what money you have. And so Brad Pitt pulls out some money and Morgan Freeman gets money and he's folding paper over, just like pieces of paper. He's at the, at this table in this horrible little pizzeria. It's not even a pizzeria. It's just a pizza joint like in Manhattan or in Los Angeles or whatever. And and then he has the money in his hands, and it's just money that you would have from your wallet, just like dollar bills. And I have no idea how much it is. He's just like putting it in his hands. It doesn't all go together. He folds it into this piece of paper. It's not even in an envelope, really. And then they wait for Mark Boone Jr. to come in. It turns out Mark Boone Jr. works for the FBI, but he's just this ratty guy who works for the FBI. And what what he's buying, what... Morgan Freeman is buying from him is a list of the the FBI's tracking of who checks out what book and what books are flagged from the library <laughs> and they explain and Mark and uh, Morgan Freeman explains this in a laundromat as they wait for Mark Boone Jr. to come back but it's just them sitting at the table and him in this greasy diner putting together this stack of bills I, I forgot that yeah he got Brad Pitt to chip in on that that is hilarious yeah well, what's great is later on, it's kind of called back after he kicks in the door, uh, after um, Mills kicks in the door when Somerset has said, we we don't have any business to be here. Think about it. We can't – we will not be able to prosecute if we go in this room. And and Brad Pitt's Mills goes, okay, yeah, whatever, and then he just kicks in the door. And then Mills figures out uh, how much how much money do we have left. And then they go pay pay this prostitute to, to tell this cop, uh, yeah, I've seen him coming in all these times uh, at the same time that uh, the guy was going out to do the killings. Um, but it, it is this moment of how much money do we have left after paying off Mark Boone Jr.? Uh, Kelly Wand, what did you think of Dingus's prostitute voice? It was pretty racist. Um, I was a little shocked, actually, because I thought this was a family podcast. 
until then. I thought the woman giving the polygraph was an Asian, and I was nervous that that was going to happen. I'm a little worried with Kelly's interpretation of Rebecca Ferguson's accent as a German man. What was up with that, Kelly Wan? Your Tom Cruise voice eventually her name's won me Ilsa. Over. Fair enough. Yeah, you did make her sound like an Ilsa. Fair enough. Oh, very good. Kelly Wan, what is your favorite use of uh, instance of worn money, used money, or dirty money in a movie? I'll do a quote from it. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Doodle-oodle-oo. Womp, womp, womp. Oh, my God. I have no idea what to make of that. Is that a police song? I think that's a police song. It's my coin one, because the gold at the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the oh, famous. that was your good, the bad, and the ugly riff. Let's hear that one more time. Tell me one. What's the theme to good, bad, and the ugly? I can't quite remember. It's on the tip of my tongue. Could you hum a little of it for me? How does that go? Ooh. <laughs> oh, wait. That's the other thing. <laughs> Doodle-oodle-oo. Woo-woo. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's on the internet now. Forever. Amazing. Forever. Never go away. All right, so what is the money? Is it at the end of Good, the Bad, the Ugly? I don't think I remember the actual gold. What? It's just a chest of coins, right? It's like a, it's like a really, it's actually the dirtiest, filthiest looking money. Like it's in like just this foul, coarse sack of nothing, like a burlap sack. Mm -hmm. Is that the word I'm looking for, guys? And then, um, it's in a grave, and then, um, but they're coins. They're not bills or anything. It's just a bunch of coins. Yeah, this is my coin one. I wasn't sure if that was cheating. But I thought Dingus would give me a free pass on it because it's super dirty. Like, it's as dirty as any gold's ever been. That's fine. I didn't – I I should have uh, distinguished between paper money and – but I just said currency, so that's – Well, yeah, you did not – you definitely didn't exclude coins. Uh, Kelly, one that's good because, yeah, it's not like in a chest or a box or anything. No, it's in a shitty bag, and then they cut it open, and then there's just been a gunfight, too, and the guy – and Clint Eastwood keeps shooting the – Leave it as he walks over to the gold. Like, you're not getting that fool. And then, um, that's how he talks. He, he sounds a little <laughs> bit like the prostitute in Seven. Uh, who sounds a little like, uh, Simon Pegg's boss on a polygraph. Uh, but anyway, oh, and then you tilt up from that gold bag to, um, a hangman's noose. Like, he's, his face is framed by the hangman's noose. And what, what is your interpretation of that? That it's money's going to lead to the rope. If you don't care, not careful, and, the, and you use rope to tie the bag, and you use rope to tie the man's neck. So I'm not much. sure what to make of it, but this week, it's a little. Uh, I'm a little taken aback at this. I think it's not a single one of Kelly Wan's picks was like a just. He didn't Stupid want to play. Pick. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. He actually. Yeah, Kelly Wan, you're, you're, uh, I don't know if you're, you're not feeling well or something, but, uh, something seems to happen. It seems like you picked three earnest choices for this week's topic. I don't know I, if I, I should be concerned. Yeah. Okay. No, you, you should call a policeman and a, a doctor. No, we, not a lawyer. I, I thought we were going to get the boxes of credits from Star Wars or something. This is awesome. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Star Wars, here's a line from my number one. Sorry about the mess. Oh, geez. Really, Tom? What? He throws him. Uh, so first of all, he doesn't throw it; he flips it. No, no. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned that dingus because that's how I remembered it too. And it's another example of how Dwayne Johnson is a better actor than Harrison Ford. Oh, good lord! If Dwayne Johnson had done the scene, he would have done the cool thing where he flips it with his thumb and it spins through the air. I don't know what why they use this take, but in Star Wars, after Harrison Ford shoots Greedo, and he's going to pay the bartender, and he says, "Sorry about the mess." He totally chucks, and it's the lamest throw. 
that a supposedly cool badass hero has ever done in the history of cinema. He just chucks this coin-looking thing, and it's not a good throw. It's not a cool flip. It doesn't, like, twirl through the air. Um, he flipped it. No, you don't even see it, so this doesn't even count. Yeah, Dingus, maybe on some George Lucas digitally part. remastered CG-enhanced production that you've seen recently, it's flipped and it does a cool, elegant twirl. No. Greedo flipped first. But you didn't even see it. No, I did. I just watched it in the original. Oh, I no, to you don't see up. the coin. You don't oh, yes, you do. Dingus, I don't know. Oh, my God. Dingus, for someone who does nothing but quote Star Wars all day, every day, I would think you would know this better. He t- you totally see the coin, and you see Harrison Ford suck at throwing, at flipping a coin. Yep. But it's the future. He's not going to be throwing coins except to do applause lines. Here's the thing is, I'm not even entirely sure it's a coin. Like, it might be some, like, marker or something. Like It's it a bullet. It's Sorry credit. about the mess. Here's a bullet. It's credits that he got from being in Star Trek once. Well, you know when he's loading the the money at the end of the Star Wars that he's been given, and they're like in these weird ammo boxes. Thanks for saving our uh, princess from this planet about to blow up. I constantly wonder... What does the, the stuff that he's loading look like? Is right. it like filled with some sort of monetary liquid? Is it stacks of plastic shit? What or like it? gold bars or something? It's a weird choice. And I wanted it to have like a flip. Yeah. That's what he demanded. But, uh, but I swear, you guys watch, rewatch the scene. George Lucas, if he had been a better filmmaker and if Harrison Ford had been a better actor, that move would have been much smoother. Damn it. I, I imagine it is him flipping it. I'm so pissed off yeah, right now. Just like you imagined that Harrison Ford uh, should have shot first, and no, it's not how it plays out anymore. I like that in a science fiction setting, money's even more cumbersome than it is in our 1800s. Like, okay, you got to fill the whole ship with these boxes. But I do like that moment. I mean, it's a classic <laughs> moment, and it was funny to go back and, and watch that. And, and it's definitely worn in dirty money, and Harrison Ford has no regard for how cool he makes it look when he chucks it. So it's the dirtiest, most ir, uh, irrelevant uh, instance of coinage that I can. Well, he apolog- He's saying he's apologizing for the flip too. It's like sorry for the flip. Oh, sorry for the messy. I, flip. I think that's far more powerful that he does it that way because it shows such disregard because he's done this before so many times. Nice try, Dingus. But all it shows is that Harrison Ford can't flip coins. Right. Ford, get out of here and stop flipping money in my bar. <laughs> we don't take your flipping. Don't serve your flipping kind. Right. All right, Dingus, what's your favorite instance of worn money, dirty money, or used money? All right, my favorite is a movie I've never used before. Uh, here's, a, here's a bit of dialogue from it. Are you doing the litmus configuration? Litmus configuration. Uh, made? <laughs> oh, no, I did consider made, though. That's uh, a good one. Uh, but Wait, I didn't I know. know. What, I totally know what this is. Oh, 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 you say you've never used it before. You're kidding, and it's kiss, kiss, bang, bang. It is not. It is Midnight Run. Um, it is one of my favorite scenes from Midnight Run. It's when the two of them have to get some money in order to get through this little small town so that they can treat Jack's uh, growing problem with his ulcer. Um, he needs to get some food. He needs to get some milk in order to be able to calm his stomach down. And uh, the Duke, Charles Grodin, says, don't worry, I'll get us some money. And they go into this uh, podunk bar and pretend to be FBI agents. Um, and so uh, what Charles Grodin says is that there's a forger who's been going through town passing fake bills. I need to see the bills from your cash register. Has anybody given you a $20 bill in the last couple of hours? And the bartender goes, yeah, we get $20 bills all the time. And Charles Grodin slams his, his hand down on the bar and goes, they get them all the time. And so he goes, all right, I need you to open the register and step away from it. And then 
the guy grabs a napkin and takes out the 20s from the register, and they just look like regular worn 20s that you would see in a dive bar register or any register. Puts them on the counter, and then um, Jack, no- uh, Jack Nicholson, good lord, um, <laughs> Robert De Niro's character starts doing this thing called the litmus configuration, which is totally ridiculous, and I've described many times, where he just takes a pencil eraser, he licks it, he runs it over the dollar bill, he holds it up, and he says, yep, this one's bad. And it's just a bad-looking $20 bill. It doesn't look pristine. It doesn't look like something that would be passed off in some sort of a bank robbery type of movie. It just looks like something you would pull out of a register. And, it, like, they take a stack of the 20s. They, they leave some of the 20s. These are good. These ones are bad. We'll take these for evidence. And then they run off to get some food and then jump on a train. What's that? <laughs> All right. Good night run. Yeah. Uh, what else do you got for us from the listeners, Dingus? All right, from our listeners. Hold on, let me open this up. All right, so we have TJ Keller. Hey, guys, love the topic, but I only have one. It was the first thing that jumped into my head when you said it. Here's the quote. That money got blood on it, man. You ever seen any that didn't? This is from the 1993 movie Judgment Night. Dennis Leary is chasing a group of guys who witnessed him kill someone. In the scene, Leary offers a stack of bloody hundreds to a street kid to get information. I'm fairly ambivalent about the movie, but this scene and this exchange in particular have stuck with me ever since. Thank you for the podcast and keep up the good work. Your friend, TJ. It's good. Do you know that movie, Kelly Wand? I haven't seen it. Okay. It sounds good. It does sound good. I don't know the movie either. I remember the marketing for it. I remember Emilio Estevez or somebody like that uh, being, like, prominent on the poster. All right, so next we have Arthur Jovangeli. Number three, Dodgeball. Ben Stiller bribes Vince Vaughn with a briefcase containing $50,000. Unlike most movie briefcases, the money does not completely fill the container, and this money has clearly been used before. Oh, this reminds me. Okay, this reminds me of something. I'll talk about that in the runners-up. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, number two, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. Kelly, would you like to give us a musical? Uh... <laughs> the bags of Confederate gold in the unmarked grave. The bags are clearly decaying and covered with dirt, and coins inside of them are not pristine. The treasure looks like it belongs in the world that the movie creates. And Arthur's number one, Gone Baby Gone. Slain and Casey Affleck. Uh, Slain and Casey Affleck deliver some drugs to a couple of junkies they suspect of sheltering a pedophile. The husband, Mark Margolis, pays them with a rolled up wad of bills, which prompts Slain to ask if he can change a roll of quarters for him as well. A great use of messy money in a scene where neat bills have no place. I had somebody recommend that I see Gone. Uh, baby Gone this week. Gone Baby Gone Girl. Uh, gone Girl. Somebody, uh, gone Girl. That's a different movie, isn't it? Uh, next, we have Jaime Cabrera. Hello, everyone. I hope the day finds you well. My top three uses of worn money oh, good. in movies are really one that I liked and two others I also remembered. So here it goes. Number three, Mad Money. A group of women conspire to steal old, worn-out cash that is about to be destroyed. Lots and lots and lots of old, worn-out cash. I don't know what that movie is. Yeah, I don't either. It's not Mad City. 
Uh, Mad Money. I've never heard of that movie. All right, thank you, Jaime. Number two, Pretty Woman. Julia Roberts tries to buy a dress in Beverly Hills, but is refused service. She pulls out a crumpled wad of cash and makes an appeal to them to no avail. And uh, Jaime's number one, The Goonies. The gang find what they think is the treasure of One-Eyed Willie, only to realize they found their way to the bottom of a wishing well. Wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. In Goonies, the bad guy's name is One-Eyed Willie? Seriously? You know, I don't know. I've never seen Goonies, so Jaime might be having us on. I don't know. Rebecca Ferguson likes that pirate. The treasure of One-Eyed Willie, only to realize they found their way to the bottom of a wishing well. One-Eyed Willie, Tom! So wait a minute. Goonies is... There's a great big dick joke in Goonies. Seriously? It's a yeah. kid's Rob comes out of mine! And it's at yeah. the bottom of a wishing well. We didn't get it at the time because we were kids, though. So it's cool. Yes, so. I wished for more dick jokes in the movie, and I got them. I make it to news. There is also a scene later where they find the actual pirate treasure. Oh, crap. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anyone. Complete with gold coins, but I thought this scene was more interesting. Thanks. Can't wait to hear everyone else's picks. Love the show, y'all. I oh. do got to say, uh, props to someone who has the guts to put Pretty Woman in a 3x3. Three three. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and his his Goonies pick reminds me of, of another pick of mine that would uh, be a, a runner-up. If we were going to do that. Anyway, moving on. We only have a couple more um, by the same person. So Dave Perkins uh, says, I have two scenes to offer. Two, the sad pile of change in Midnight Run on the counter when the Duke asks how much coffee is and how much tea is, and they're actually the same price. I think I might have used this for our exact numbers thing. I'm not sure, but it, I think it's 51 cents. And that is a great comic moment where it's like, how much is coffee? 51 cents. How much is tea? 51 cents. I'll take tea. The way he looks down at the coins before he Wait, decides. Isn't that, isn't that a riff on uh, Lincoln's, that famous thing Lincoln said where uh, he uh, w- was served a drink at a restaurant and he said, ma'am, if this is coffee, I'll have tea. And if this is tea, I'll have the coffee. Oh, wow. No, I didn't. I never, I've never heard of that. I like that. Yeah. And that was called the 13th Amendment. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly. Um, anyway, Dave goes on to say, the way he looks down at the coins before he decides, I'll have the tea, almost makes the coins into a character. Very good. Yeah, and I like the way that the coins rattle on the calendar. Dave, uh, on the calendar, on the counter, where, where when he takes them out of his, and he just sort of spills them out, and, and Charles Grodin says, how much money do we have left? Um, I, I do like the way those coins sound on the counter. Um, number one, the American money used in the Rover to buy some bullets at the fortified convenience store. Well, there goes my only runner-up. Thanks, Dave Perkins, jerk. <laughs> Robert Perkins. M. I didn't even think about this. Robert M. pulls it out of his pocket to surprise Guy P. with his gift. Box of 44s for my friend here. I love that moment, Dave. Wait, what does he call him? He calls him Dave. Guy P. Robert M. Robert M. and Guy P. Robert, his last name is Pattinson. Why is he calling him Robert M.? He changed it to Robert Mattinson. Hmm. All right. Robert M. But I, I love the way he sort of sidles up to him and pulls, <laughs> pulls the money out and just right. kind of peels it off and goes, here you go, and then walks away. We're such good friends. I know him by his it, other initial. 
It's so nonchalant. All right, Dave has a postscript. Michelle points. Oh, hopefully he's correcting that he got the initial wrong for Robert Pattinson. By the way, I meant Robert N. Yes. <laughs> no, he's giving us uh, one from uh, somebody he knows named Michelle, who points out another great use of money in Midnight Run, the improvised litmus test. So that's our third. All right, good. I'm glad you guys are on board with me. So that's all I've got from listeners. Well, Is I have runners up? Rover, but someone stole my pick, so I have no runner-up. My only runner-up's Fargo. And I got to go in five minutes. Let's go. What's the thing? Is this thing? Is uh, don't worry. We can pass the runners up. Let's move on. Uh, okay. Well, all I have is just the topic for next week. All right. What do you all right. Go ahead. Um, go ahead and give us our topic for next week and tell all the listeners how they can get in touch with us. Okay. Um, this was based on the movie Unfriended that Tom uh, steered me towards, although in Germany it's called User Unfriendly or User Error or something. But it's uh, three best websites. Three best websites in movies. Because there's sure. a really cool website in... Uh, maybe well, I shouldn't be... Unfriended, they're all real, right? Oh, oh no, I know what you're talking about. Okay, are we taking that off the table, though? No, we'll, we'll leave it on the table. So you're going to pick now. Unfriended. No, you've used Unfriended. you you got to take the one that inspires the topic off the table. Damn it! If you all right, I'm taking it off the table, but I'm sad because it's a really cool Wait, one. Wait, do you mean websites that people re- reference on screen or hand out in yeah. business cards? Or what are you talking about? Oh, like no, in, in a movie the... when someone goes to a website. You're saying, oh, okay, carry one. Yeah. yeah, 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 what Tom just said. So yeah, a computer so... screen showing somebody going to a website. Yeah, but I'll be liberal. I think what Kelly has in mind is like faked websites on movies. Like not when somebody – because Unfriended has a lot of like branding. There's Facebook. There's Skype, uh, Chat Roulette. Uh, There are real websites, but they make up a fake website about uh, uh, suicide. Right, right. Answer messages from the dead. Right, exactly. Like one of the characters – and this is part of the kind of exposition in the movie is this fake website in Unfriended. Yeah. So best fake fake websites then. Yeah. Right. Yeah, fake. I really like this because I already have a couple of picks. So, all right, Kerry, want ah. listeners participate? To participate, send your selections or vice versa to three by three at quarter to three dot com. Uh, simple mnemonic device to recall it. Just remember, two of the threes are numerals. The preposition's a multiplication symbol, and the phrase itself isn't movie related. It's a video game site, although it's not a video game phrase. Dot com. Spell like it sounds. And we will be seeing Fantastic Four, the new Josh Trank movie uh so join us for that i am tom chick i have been here with uh christian montans Malt- uh it is called fan Forstick for i believe and it's christian morosky and we had kelly wand Dingus, I can't stop farting. I want you to be my beneficiary. This is not going to end well. Ooh!